Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic yeah. books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. <laughs> Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like, I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. Get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another machine gunnerific episode of Comic Books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, but tonight I'm joined by two very special, awesome guests to talk some Punisher comic books because the Netflix. Punisher series, hopefully, will be released sometime around when you're listening to this. That's the plan, anyway. And I've brought together some awesome gentlemen from the interwebs who are all about talking Punisher with me tonight. I've got John Vanover back again from the Action Figure Blues podcast and TV and Film Toys. Why don't you give a shout out, John? Hey, guys. It's always good to be back. And for the first time on the Fan Holes podcast, we've got a very special guest, Jason Giaconetti. He is on the vault of startling monster horror tales of terror, and he has his very own podcast about movies called Bugs, Bots, and Babes. And we're very happy to have Jay here on the show. Give a shout out, Jay. Hey, folks. How we all doing? Cool. Cool. Awesome. So, yeah. So, so basically what I came up with this plan, I, I, you know, not, not to, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but I know, I know my guys, you know, on the show, the regulars on the show. And, and I know most of them are not the biggest Punisher fans, but I, I really did think it'd be a cool idea to get together and talk with some folks about Punisher, especially you know, when the Netflix series rolled around. And because we've got this new show where basically, you know, we're, we're we're trying to talk comics kind of in the vein of, you know, comics we read from the spinner racks and kind of look at themes and everything. So obviously this is kind of like a, a shameless tie-in to Punisher, but also I thought it'd be fun to just kind of shoot the breeze with, with people who were definitely, you know, invested and interested in Punisher. And uh, so we've all picked different Punisher comic books from, you know, in some cases, different series and different errors. But the game plan, I guess, moving forward is we're going to go in chronological order. And I guess that would start us off with John's book. So I'm going to turn it over to John here and have him tell us like what he brought and, and maybe give us a little rundown of what the story was about. And then, you know, me, him and Jay are going to discuss it a little bit and then we'll keep on going. So how's that sound? No pressure or anything, huh? All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What I picked was something that I actually remembered 
even when I got it, I, I remember it because it's a Punisher back from 1988. It's number seven. I think this might even be volume one, if I'm correct. And it now at the prefaces with this is probably not the most political, correct uh, comic for today's world. I love it, John. I love it. I love it. <laughs> because it's nuclear terrorists over Times Square and the terrorists on the cover are definitely Arab in, in, in the way they're drawn. And they're they're almost, you know, caricatures. You you definitely wouldn't. I that that's that was kind of my shock because I guess I'm so used to reading, you know, modern comics now where everything is politically correct and and they kind of shy away from that and and you'd probably never find that you know it'd be either either it'd be toned down to you know maybe a fictional terrorist organization where it'd be this very generic thing like you know oh it's AIM it's Hydra it's whatever and then you know you you are conceivably not offending anybody right yeah or yep. you know in, but in this case like you know they're they're actually kind of selecting you know people that have committed terrorist acts and you know it's just kind of you know i don't know to me it's kind of like one of those things like people might be offended by it but to me i, I was kind of like oh it, it was it was semi-refreshing that you know they could just have this in the comic and it wasn't like the end of the world because it was in a punisher comic it was just that's that's kind of how it was yeah, and, and it even starts off, to kind of get into it a little bit, it starts off and he's actually in a toxic waste dump. And I believe if you've <laughs> seen the cover for the one before it, he has a gas mask and stuff on. I think the cover for that one, most people have probably seen. But he is trying to figure out where this nuclear waste is going. He sends a rocket into a building, blows some dudes up. But one of the mob guys kind of gets a, a drop on him, which, you know, is unusual as it is. But he talks him his way out of it. And he says, you know, hey, you know, you kill me, you're going to be dead. And basically, guys like, hey, it was the Arabs. It wasn't wasn't us. You know, they took the stuff. Frank runs on out of there back to his warehouse. He's talking to, to Microchip and they think that they're going to attack probably Philadelphia because there's a big Liberty Bell celebration going on. So they, they think that's probably where they'll attack. So Frank runs out to get a and these my, my synopsis is never going to be as good as yours are, Derek. So keep that in mind uh <laughs> he runs out to make a phone call to to try and get the police you know on high alert and when he does that he's on his way back to the warehouse and a light shows up in his van and somebody has broken into his warehouse two people have gotten the drop on him so far in this issue it turns out the person that that got into his warehouse her name is rose kugel and she says she's from Mossad and she wants to work with him to track down these terrorists and they go they go through some things and you know he he basically says yeah i think they're going to philadelphia so after some some dialogue where you find out her parents were killed and you know that's why she joined Mossad, and you know she wants to, to get these guys and she hasn't told anybody else about his hideout or anything but she you know was able to break in there and sneak in on him they take off go to philadelphia accost a thug that had a gun you know really didn't serve any purpose in the story turns out nothing happened in philadelphia and they're just kind of like well now what <laughs> So they head back to the one place that they think they can get some information. That's back to the toxic waste dump. They drug some dogs with a crossbow and some tranquilizer darts. And they find the little guy that had the drop on Frank the first time. But this time they, they get him to try and tell him some more information. They recognize a poster on the wall as being from Times Square and that they have a building there. And that's probably where the terrorists are going. So they, they take off because they realize there's a, a big premiere of a Broadway play just down, you know, 
down the street from this and that's probably what they're going to hit because there's all sorts of dignitaries and stuff at that that play so they take off they head into new york they get to the building and they're pinned down by fire rose figures out that you know she has some skills and she helps take a guy out they start going up in the elevator all of a sudden they're getting bullets raining down on them and so they climb out of the elevator and start running up the stairs one of the terrorists is there frank gets into a talking match with him that guy gets the drop on him so it's the third time uh, he gets shot in the shoulder meanwhile rose has taken off up the stairs frank dispatches his terrorist we find out that the guy that's in the, the at the top of the tower is up in the crane he has a bucket of plutonium hanging off the crane and he is going to dump this on the crowd as they exit the theater he's holding rose and basically says hey drop all your guns and get out on the boom crane or i'm gonna i'm gonna kill her frank crawls out on the end of the boom boom crane jams his knife which isn't i think the most clearest thing as to what he's doing into the uh, workings of the crane to keep it from opening onto the crowd this big arab guy comes out and basically threatens Frank, says, hey, you know, quit this or I'm going to kill her. He actually, she shoots him and he grabs her and throws him, throws her over the edge. So we see poor, poor Rose plummet to her death, quote unquote, over the edge. Meanwhile, Frank uh, tackles this guy who looks, looks a lot like the uh, giant thuggy, I thought, from Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. As, as he tackles him, the guy goes over the edge and follows Rose to, to her demise and Frank's left, you know, alone, basically having saved, you know, all these people from a terrorist attack and gets no credit. And there's a little, little, like, end note that says she had planted her credentials for Mossad into the, the you know, database. And basically she, you know, Mossad's saying, no, she's not one of ours. So he's just left wondering who she is. And that's the end of the issue. I don't, I don't think you should discourage yourself, John. Your synopsis was great. I liked it. I, I liked reading the issue, too. I, You know what was funny, though, was I, I'm glad you brought up the part about the, the random guy they accosted in the park because he had, he was carrying, and, and they just you know punched him in the face and, and sort of ran off for the, the cops to find him. Cause I thought the line leading up to that was funny because... The, you know, oh they yeah, saying, they were saying how he smells funny, and 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 like basically, I think what Frank says is he's like, no, that guy can't be like you know on the up and up because he smells like a Star Trek fan, you know. So it was like he was trying to like slam like people that go to cons or something like that. And that well, I also got to think that I'm thinking in '88 DC was publishing Star Trek, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Next, so next. so that could also be a slam at DC too, I suppose. Yeah. You remember also, it's as it being in the 80s, and this is one of the things that we, we've spoken about when we talk about different movies and stuff, especially 80s stuff. What you get in the 80s a lot of times where you obviously don't get it nowadays when everyone's worried about hurting everyone's feelings and everyone's feelings matter and all this stuff. It was much more like if, you know, the, to, by using an actual, by using Middle Eastern, to clearly supposed to be Middle Eastern terrorists, the idea of Mossad and all these things that you would only get nowadays in very specific, you know, situations. This, that was kind of like everyone understood exactly what you're talking about because it's just the way everyone talked. That's the way the 80s were. It was that kind of generalization that they said that, oh, yeah, no problem. That was totally 
okay, understandable. It would be it would be no different than using Russians or using whatever. Like it was just easy oh, yeah. because you know that's just what it was. Now you would worry about well, we might upset someone's feelings and then we might hurt this person's feeling because you get sued. In the eighties, you didn't su- they didn't sue people like that. They were like, all right, what it is, you know. Think about it. Arnold Schwarzenegger's entire career is him fighting whatever bad guy there, and and they wanted to stick in there you know, kind of thing. And the same thing with Stallone and the Rambo movies and whatever, you just, whatever bad guy you want to put in, whatever country it is, here it is. And here it is. And here it is. So. Well, and, and, and they're not, they're not the only bad guys in the story. I mean, like John mentions, you, yeah. you have the, the, the mobster guys that are, I mean, clearly that's a stereotype as well, right? Cause they're in New Jersey. They, they manage a waste processing plant. I mean, you can't help but think of Sopranos or any other oh, yeah. kind of, you know, you know, generic term that they use for their, you know, their underworld business. It's like, oh yeah, we're, we're at the waste dump and we're, we're, we're doing garbage disposal, you know, and, and they kind of have this, this double talk where that's not really what they're doing there and everything. So, I mean, it, it sort of applies all across the board. The, the other thing I thought was interesting was that they, that, 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 that gangster mistook Frank Castle for Mossad. Cause I'm like, Mm-hmm. What I, I mean, I know it, this is this is only issue seven. I mean, you 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 sort of guess. I mean, yes, he's been in many issues of Spider Man before this, but you know, may, maybe Punisher wasn't as well known. But I, I just thought it was kind of funny that that he sort of made the leap that he was Mossad, and and Frank doesn't like correct him or anything. He just kind of no, he just lets he, him he go. He just kind of <laughs> says, "Hey, I'm a badass." Like, so yeah, w- think yeah. what you want to think, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. So I I thought that was kind of interesting and then and then especially with the end you know sort of you know epilogue or or post note where it kind of reveals that the lady rose was not you know she introduces herself as Mossad and you know apparently provides these legitimate credentials but then it turns out they were just really good forgeries and and that that's kind of like one of those things where it's weird like you sort of wonder how you're supposed to feel about it because obviously frank's sad like he he contemplated a partnership with her like he he was kind of like oh she's really good at what she does like we could we could do things together do you know what i mean like whereas i i I think in some cases you know the punisher might be i work alone i don't work with people or whatever but here he's he's clearly open to to collaboration because he sees her as like an equal and a skilled you know, fighter and everything like that. So, so in some ways it's like, it's not only sad that she, she did die, but it's also kind of sad that she wasn't who she said she was either, but he, he doesn't seem to have too much interest in finding out, you know, I mean, I guess, I, I guess you, I guess maybe that's a good question to ask you guys. Like, do you think the, the story she gave Frank was legitimate? I mean, is that how you took that? But just, she forged some credentials to get some help. Like what, why do you think she did what she did? Well, I, I actually kind of did some research on that, and she actually comes back later. She actually wasn't killed. She oh, fell into okay. a, a a pile of sand or something, and, and okay. she didn't die. She comes back, and it, it, the way the, the synopsis of her, of her character read, I, I, it actually sounds like she was Mossad. But but you know how all those spy agencies are, even even if she was Mossad, you know, it, uh, it, so, so they I, basically I they, they didn't they didn't acknowledge her. It was like anything you you know, the whole Mission yeah. Impossible thing, like any anything you do will be denied and, you know, we'll blow up this message after five minutes type thing. You know, I was trying to think, though, I don't think when I read this, I really had heard of Mossad, you know, 
back in the 80s. And, and I was trying to figure out, too, what kind of terrorist events really, you know, had I had I remembered. Hmm. I, I remember a lot of like plane hijackings. But that was about it, you know, I, but I don't remember, you know, I, I, it was just kind of strange, you know, and considering the world we live in today, you know. Well, I, I think I think for me, like because I, I did I did look at like the 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 cover date is March 1988, but I guess technically the release date is November 87 because of how comics were. So I'm like sitting there going, well, shit, I would have been like, what, 10 years old? Like, I, I don't know that I I one, I, I probably hadn't read that many Punisher comics by this point. And also, I mean, if I was cognizant of events on the news, I mean, maybe it would be like what you're saying, like you knew there were, you know, plane jackings and this and that but you you might not i mean i i feel like sometimes when i was younger and i read things for the first time it's like when you read i don't know for me when i was really young and i read dark knight returns it's like it still blew my mind but i don't think i understood half of what i would understand yeah. today you know so it's like i i suppose if you read this you know when you were young it's like you would understand the basic beats of the story that there were bad guys that frank was fighting them that they were trying to do some nasty thing to people at a play and then he stops them you know like that's that's kind of what you got out of it but like the details about Mossad, like that that's kind of interesting because i i think even as an adult understanding that i i still kind of scratch my head wondering like why why did you think this guy in a skull tights was Mossad? like i i, I don't know like it just it was kind of funny and he and he just kind of is like yep that's right now you know tell me what i want to know you know like like he just doesn't really yeah. You know, he, he he just wants what he wants. And like the Frank's Frank's actions make sense to me. It's like, you know, he doesn't really care that this guy made a mistake as long as he's scared of him. But I, I, I sort of question like, why did this guy, you know, I guess maybe he's just making the leap because it involves, you know, Arab terrorists that obviously, you know, Israeli special forces would be there to. To, yeah. to fight them off or something. It was probably like, okay, we got our money. I, you know, if I turn you in now, it's, you know, no skin off my back kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think what we see too in this is, I think really, really kind of, we can see it a lot when you look back at certain larger, I would say larger comic events that occurred. Like I'm thinking Watchmen, hmm. Dark Knight Returns, things like that. When we when you read them originally, initially, depending on when you read them, they're going to carry different context for you depending on your age and you know when you're looking. And like if you were to read Watchmen when it first, one of my friends who who's a comic book artist and stuff, he read he read comic. He's uh, ten was he's mm, eight years older than me. He read comics. He read Watchmen as they came out issue to issue. Having never read Watchmen until I was older, I read it as one continuous thing. So to me, Watchmen had and i was i was already older i already was married and whatever so to me watchman had a very different you know impact on me compared to reading it when it happens we look at something like like this story here which again it, it's a punisher story so you know it's frank doing what he's doing if you read that i have not read this until now because i actually this these were comics before, i wasn't into i wasn't not super into comics reading this in a post 9-11 world mm. the i you know the implications and stuff like to me, looking just at just at the cover art alone would be hard to imagine you getting this approved. Oh yeah, for a you yeah. know a Marvel comic kind of at this point, you know, 
And I think that's something too, is when you look at something, you have to look at the context in which you're view, you know, you're viewing it, no matter what the media type might be. And I think we sometimes, you know, things from our youth, like, I mean, or when we, you know, when we, when you're reading things when you're younger and maybe, you know, if you didn't know, I know what all the, like the Mossad was and stuff like that, or, cause I'll be honest with you in you know, 88, so what am I, that I'm 10 years old when I'll be reading stuff. I was 10, I wouldn't know what the Mossad was. I mean, it's not that my family, when we knew what was on the news and it was going on, but I certainly didn't know the inner workings of, you know, all that kind of stuff. But now that's a term that most people, my daughter, at the age of six, if she heard Mossad, she knows what that is, because that's just something if you watch NCIS, they talk about that all the time. And my daughter understands that. I mean, think about that. I mean, so I would have been a, I would have been 10 years old. My daughter is six. So I'm a couple I mean, at 10 years old, I mean, you're not often talking about, you know, Israeli special forces and Arab terror. Like that's not something, I mean, at least not anything was talked about in my house. Yeah. yeah. Because if there was a terrorist, usually Schwarzenegger came back and killed them. So we were, you know, kind of think that's what that was. It is a lot to do, I think, also too. 88, we're talking here. So this book came out at the end of Reagan's second term, right? When we're going yeah. into George Bush's senior's first term. So we're talking like we're still in the midst of Reagan, all that stuff that was going on, the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, the fall. It's there was a lot of change was happening then. And people were very you, you kind of have that all that fluctuation going on, obviously in America. Then again, these are American comics. So it's just kind of they played off of that stuff there too. One of the things I they definitely when I read this, I kind of took from here, Frank not correcting him or not saying like, oh, you're Mossad. Yeah, I am. You know, kind of things like, oh, like this guy's willing to be dumb enough to believe that. Sure. Right. You know, right. and Frank, Frank's not above doing whatever needs to be done. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I definitely, this, this cat Frank at this time is not the Frank we got to know later on. And, you know, as he evolved, as, as the, the Punisher kind of grew into what he became later. But I hate, oh yeah, you know, he's, I think that's one of the great things about him is that he truly is a human instead of, he has no superpowers. He has no, he doesn't have unlimited funds. He doesn't have a magic utility belt. He doesn't have any of those things that all the other superheroes have, but he has to make do with his guns and his knives. And here he's distracted when she's, he's, he's so preoccupied with stuff that he gets the people who are far the goons are able to get a drop on them right. this is the yeah. punisher he's no one should be getting a drop on frank castle i mean and i think that's one of the things that later on you know when they when they when, they, when he goes back and he hears her scream and he turns what could have made it and the guy pulls a gun and shoots him in the shoulder and i'm like oh come on frank like you know i mean and he blows the guy away but he's like you know it was like come on dude like i mean that's not the you know, that you can start seeing, but that's also part of the evolution of the, the characters. Remember, this is issue seven. So this is technically in this volume two, I think, technically, right? Because there was the first, what, five? Think, yeah, because there's the five yeah. issue limited series with like Mike Zick. Yeah. So, so I guess, right. yeah, technically, this yeah. would be volume two. Te- yeah, technically, but let's be honest, this is really kind of like where it all began. Because yeah, again, yeah. he's a he's a Spider-Man character, but he, or, you know, like kind of thing. And like, 
but he this was it this was his own run so you're trying to start establishing who you are so you're still early in a run when you haven't kind of set when the rules are still being established and and, and the punisher didn't always like follow all those strict rules kind of like what you're saying yeah. i mean I, I remember the reason why some of my friends that like the punisher because I, I mean i to be honest i think when i was really young I don't, I don't know that I ever, like, I mean, even, even though the book I'm going to discuss tonight is one that, that I read off the spinner rack is one of the first Punisher comics I ever read. I don't know that I ever, like, really solidly locked into the Punisher until I was older. Kind of like how you're talking about the context of when you read things. I mean, I think to me, like, you know, I, I always had this joke with, with my old, like, you know grade school buddies was you know the marvel characters that i i didn't quite get were you know namor because he ran around in a speedo dr strange because <laughs> i was never into magic all that much and the punisher which i never got why he you know he's supposed to be this stealthy badass guy with guns but yet he's got a big white skull on his shirt and and white gloves and all that stuff and it didn't it didn't quite compute to me at the time you know and i think i think later you know when when i you know read things especially you know in college and and maybe after i graduated college and and you know even the older titles i mean there were things that i i sort of understood you know my, the reason why my friends liked the Punisher was, oh, you know, hey, you know, he doesn't have all of Batman's money so that when he sees a suitcase lying there, it's not like he's going to wait for the cops to collect it or somebody, you know, he's not going to turn it back over to the bank or whatever. It's like when, when he when he blows away drug dealers, he'll, you know, he'll flush the dr- drugs down the toilet and, and take the, the, the suitcases full of cash, you know, and then he's like, mm-hmm. this will, you know, arm the, the armory you know this little war journal i i picked up some extra cash for that you know rocket i wanted to buy or whatever to blow away the kingpin's fat ass or you know whatever whatever the war journal says and and like that's that's one of those things that that people were always drawn to because he's he's sort of unapologetic and 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 very realistic in terms of you know he he doesn't have daddy warbucks money you know it's like he he kind of operates on the sly and takes what he can get and yeah i guess early on in the comics yeah he's going to get distracted and 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 taken advantage of but maybe that's a that's a trope of the comics because even even john was commenting on kind of the the semi Indiana Jones feel with what was it Ahmed the Mountain or whatever like yeah. that, that he yeah. he's he's this big bruiser type guy and and the way he tackles him and everything I mean you know a lot of the times you might just think oh well why doesn't he just blow this fucking guy away but you know in in some sense they they've got to have these you know skirmishes and battles and maybe he doesn't always use the gun he uses the knife or they use the crossbow and you know I mean for for all that people could complain about and that saying it's not politically correct. Like it's, it's worth pointing out that, you know, they are humane to the dogs, you know, they drink them yes. and, and they don't treat them badly, you know? So, so yeah. there's, there's all kinds of stuff where it defies your, your vaunted, you know, correctness and expectations and everything, but it doesn't necessarily have to be like all, all bad or all good or anything. You know, but we they hit the the dogs with the the rhino trank, so they're out for a while, you know, kind of thing. But isn't that always? I mean, it's to me, it's always seen that case. I I know people who will 
no problem watching watching let's say a movie and everyone can get slaughtered no big deal as long as the dog lives we're all good right <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, kind yeah, of, yeah. it's the it's this the independence day thing right in independence day we're watching millions of people get killed the the, the, the original independence day yeah, yeah not 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 the new one not in that horrible crap when the dog jumps and gets saved we saw it in the movie theater opening weekend people cheered oh, yeah. when the dog was safe i'm like you just watched thousands of people get killed They're like but the dog lived Okay, you know, problem so You know, do you ever have those comics in your, you, you, you know, you find them in your collection and you go, I don't know how I got this. I actually have a Spider-Man Punisher book with no cover on it. And I, I remember reading it as a kid and being like, I don't know who this character is. I don't like him. But then I read, there's some novels out called The Executioner and that they're kind of tied into. Oh, the, the Mac, the Mac Bolin ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're, they, they tie in to the creation of the Punisher. Yeah. You know, it's, it's essentially the same character. And I had read those before this series came out and that's why I had started getting the series. So as I got into this comic series, I had so much more fleshed out behind that character that it, it, it was a lot different take on it for me. Cool. You that's know? cool. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about, Mac Bolin, other than that, you know, that kind of tie that you mentioned that, that he, he kind of is almost like a prototype or, or an inspiration for the Punisher, kind of like probably, you know, Death Wish or something is, is, is a similar 80s parallel, you know, somebody who was victimized by crime and he's taken it back to the criminals, like that whole idea. And then I think, I want to say like Dark Horse or somebody did like an adaptation of Mac Bolin. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Cause I, I you know, I had always meant to read that one day. Yeah. I mean, his, his brother gets killed by, you know, drugs from the mob and he, he basically comes back from Vietnam and goes, okay, I'm going after the mob. Mm. I mean, it's, it's pretty much, yeah, the Punisher. you know, the Punisher. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, that really changed because it went from, you know, when I saw him in Spider-Man, here's this guy with slick back hair and he's got a rifle and he's trying to shoot Spider-Man. I was much younger then. And then I read those other stories. I'm like, okay, this guy's really an anti-hero that I can get behind. You know, like I said, when the series came out, I remember, remember reading it and I've got like, I don't know, like issues three through 15 or something of the series from when I was reading them. So. Yeah, I mean, it was it was just something back then. I was like, oh, this is this is cool. I, and I remember it was one of those things too that when the series came out, I remember reading the little, you know, the little blurbs in the back of the letter columns, you know, where they have, oh, this month check out, you know, the new Punisher series, you know, and and you know he's on a rampage against the mob or whatever. I'm like, oh, that character sounds familiar. Going and looking for it so I could, I could see if it really was as familiar as what I, what I thought it was. So you know, what I also found because this is again a little early, but if you think. So 87, 88, you know, in, what is it, 91, when we when we enter into the Persian Gulf War, I'm trying, like, around that time, you know, I kind of, so I'm thinking around that time, you know, so that's when G.I. Joe was running comic books about basically kind of fighting the Persian Gulf War, mm. and then that's when the Punisher has issues of him going in there, right? I'm yeah. thinking of, there's there's one... And I, 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 I was able to find all my old war journals, but I could not find the actual Punisher should have had where there's a giant gun and he's strapped like almost being crucified across the front of the gun. And that's the cover. 
And I'm like, and that, and it's just that imagery that they know they you know because if you're if you know Punisher, you're like, well, he's not going to be able to use any laser beams from his eyes. And he's going to have to use his wits. And, and I'm saying he doesn't have the ability to be like, oh, well, I have this, you know, I have special tools that, you know, I have this bell, and I or I'll have someone come save me because he's like. Well, he's going to have to deal with this himself because he's probably got no one with him. And I'm trying to think it's either the issue before or the one after. It's him and he has you know, an Arab man and he's, he's stabbing him on the cover. I mean, it's this is what they did. They they kind of knew with the punishment. I mean, I always said that if you know if you look at certain comic books, you can look at the front of a comic book on the cover and you kind of know what you're getting. The Punisher, you kind of knew what you were getting. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I, there are definitely, you know, when you get into like the heart of darkness and stuff like that, when he's teamed up with what's his face, Ghost Rider and things like that later on that happened, there was, there was someone's kind of this like, you know, otherworldly element, but a lot of the Punisher stories are, you know, drug, drug dealer, mafia, you know, terrorist. It's always these kind of like human grounded kind of things. Not that you believe that this is all happening, but it's more believable. You know, if, if that makes kind of sense, you know, you're talking about a comic book, right? It's more believable that here's a person who is fighting, a, you know, as a vigilante or an antihero kind of guy fighting against all these, quote unquote, evils of the world, right? But the evils of the world aren't, you know, a guy in a metal suit who lives in his, who has his own country in his giant castle. You know what I'm saying? It's it's the real guys. It's the guys in the street. It's the pusher on the corner. It's all those real world issues that I think came to a head a lot in the, the 70s and 80s. And and where does the Punisher take place? But New York City, you know, with where their crime was rampant. I mean, I don't uh, living in New York, you know, being having gone to the city. I remember as a child getting off the train at Grand Central. We're walking to Madison Square Garden, which is, you know, not that not, not an insane walk, but it's a good, decent walk. And having to walk two or three blocks out of our way to two or three blocks further over because there was no way, and even in broad daylight, you were walking past Bryant Park, a.k.a. Needle Park back in the day. You weren't going into Times Square. You weren't going to do those things because you were going to take your life in your hand. What was the Punisher? It was the answer to that. We have to stop this. It's it, and I, I think that's part of you know. Again, now knowing what has happened and the way the city has changed and stuff like that. But the Punisher, I mean, again, my brother and I grew up in in you know New York. I mean, so when he talks about in the in this, they're talking about being in Jersey, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you can get there from there because that takes you to this road, and it's like, or when he mentions like they're doing something, and he's like they're on this, this turnpike. I'm like, well, yes, that turnpike would take you there because it's just the reality of my world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas, you know, it's one of those things we, that you find all the time in movies. Whenever they have, they film a movie and it's like in New York city and you're looking at it going, no, that's Toronto, dude. That's right, not New York. Right. You can tell, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Well, it's like, it's like, it's like, I always say about that always cracks me up about the old amazing Spider-Man TV show is 
for a long time, my world was Los Angeles. And so when I finally revisited that show and, and made a video on it, it was like one of those things where you, you laughed because you're like, this is not New York. That's like, you're, you're just basically like, you know, I've been to that spot in LA. Like, I know yeah. where that is. Like, he's clearly like in, you know, shooting locations in Los Angeles all over the place. And they had Los Angeles, which makes me laugh my ass off, double as New York City, you know? And it's just like ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, when when you were a little kid you had no frame of reference or context for those kind of things especially if you didn't live there and and breathe it and and know about it and everything and then i i did just find that that cover you were talking about from punisher 48 mm -hmm. where he's strapped to the the missile right. and he's going to baghdad the one thing punisher comics did if i mean you know again things were always more even when they got kind of out there you still had a lot of re like realist like reality groundedness to them i guess that's really atrocious there uh, kind of way to say that but it's true they kind of were they want to hit on those topics that are you know real the bad guy you know again the bad guys are you know the drug dealers and the and the you know the the terrorist and whatever the bad guys aren't you know it's not kang you know what i'm saying yeah, or whatever yeah. you know kind of <laughs> uh, yeah i mean a villain you know? <laughs> if, if you read this particular issue you would have no yeah. idea that it was in the Marvel universe. Like if somebody yeah, just gave it course. to you, you know, with, without a, mm -hmm. an, an imprint on it. And and yeah. I think you're, you're right. That's one of the reasons I love this character is it's not, mm -hmm. you could drop him into an NCIS episode and, and he would fit or a police drama and he would fit, you know, it's not, he doesn't have to be with Daredevil. He doesn't have to be with Ghost Rider. He's, you know, he he's a vigilante. Yes. Like Batman, but you know, he's not, he's not fighting the super villains for the most part. Mm -hmm. He's, he's, you know, taking yeah. out, you know, mob guys. Yeah, I, I think that's why eventually, like, a lot of those Max comics kind of just tried to do their own thing and almost separate him from Marvel, you know. And, you know, I'm always of two minds of it. Sometimes I think it's fun to have him interact with characters like that, like, you know, just, just to see what it's like. But, it, but then I, I also see the appeal of the fact that he can be in a, a grounded realistic environment and and not have to deal with any of the fantastical elements of the marvel universe that he can just you know meet some weird you know backwater cannibals and and see that they're evil sons of bitches and like you know feed them the type of crocodiles or whatever he does to them you know like things like that where it's just you know that that doesn't have anything to do with like you're saying like rhino or stilt man or anybody mm -hmm. you know it's not like stilt man has to be like oh look cannibals you know or whatever it's like no you know it's just it's just a straight up you know in, in some sense looks at some of the really horrible aspects of humanity i think the you know the punisher is an easy place to to frame those and, and take a look at them. And, and then I guess you get a sense of catharsis because you see that horror and the Punisher shoots it in the face, you know? And then you're like, oh, thank mm -hmm. God. You know, like you you, you you sort of sleep easier because he, he looks at, you know, things that are horrific and, and he punishes them, you know? He, he wipes them off the face of the earth and, and you're kind of like, oh, good. Isn't it great that, that you know, Frank's out there, you know, taking care of business and, and, and that kind of, idea where usually I, I think that's why it was a lot easier to wrap my head around that, you know, as I got older, I guess. I would yeah. just ask, I don't want to get too far, a uh, too far afield, as we would say, you know, do you, the, and this is just throwing it out there. Do you feel that because the, the way the Punisher is in, in the comics and stuff and the way he is as his character is, is that the Punisher on film, 
and, and you know, the Dolph Lundgren movie and whatever, and the Thomas Jane movies more of what I'm thinking of. People kind of look at that and didn't kind of either. I mean, I mean, I I like it, but I know people who didn't like it at all, but who love comic book movies and still working at going. Eh, it's not really a comic book movie because it's not the the fantastical world of Civil War or Batman vs Superman. The, I mean, to me, that's what's always kind of struck me as, you know, like, well, yeah, because that's a movie where his family's murdered and he now is going to murder you back, you know, kind of thing. And right. people look at it as like, oh, well, that's not like superhero -y, you know what I'm saying? Well, you know, I, I think, I mean, just to answer the question real quick, I mean, yeah. I don't I don't think I ever thought of Punisher in those terms. I mean, I, I have my own opinions about the different films and everything. And, and mm -hmm. I think, you know, the Thomas Jane one, for example, I think there's some things that work and, and some things that don't, or, or maybe they worked at the time, but in hindsight, it seemed kind of silly to me now. But in terms mm -hmm. of what you're asking, I mean, it makes me think of Jonah Hex, where I was mm -hmm. like, why, why did you have to take such a simple concept you know, a guy who's a bounty hunter that fought in the Civil War, and he's a gunfighter. That's it. He didn't need to fucking talk to dead people. He didn't need mm -hmm. to have fucking Gatling fucking guns on the goddamn horse that would have crippled the goddamn horse because of how much they weighed and all this other stupid <laughs> fucking shit. Like, and so to me, it's like if you had Punisher, but then all of a sudden it's like, I, I borrowed an armor from Tony Stark, and it farted in your direction, and now your head's gonna explode, and oh, by the way, me and Thanos, we go blow up, you know, drug cartels together or whatever. Like, that's not gonna make me think like, oh, what a great Punisher movie, because it's got all this crazy cosmic superhero junk in it. Like, I, I don't need, like, Thor to give Frank Castle a high five for it to be a good punisher movie and i especially don't need frank castle like you so eloquently put before i don't need frank castle to shoot laser beams from his eyes or anything you know right. and 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 that's kind of you know my example of jonah hex is like exactly where you might have feared it would go and and i can at least say this for all the different movies whether it's dolph lundgren you know thomas jane or or even the Warzone movie which honestly i think i like the best of all three of them just to put put it out there where i'm coming from i mean as far as like the punisher goes but but even all three of those like none of them ever went down the laser beam eyes you know jonah hex mm -hmm. the dead people route and i think that is for the best yeah the thomas jane one's my favorite because he's so much more just an average guy mm. at the start of it yeah. you know he's an average looking guy i mean there's some great great scenes in the thomas jane one i think you know, I, I just, I, I think, I think there's some things where it, when I, I got all kind of hypercritical about it, you know, there were some things I, I didn't quite like in terms of the casting. Like I, I, I felt like, you know, Rebecca Ramon Stamos is just too knockout gorgeous to play that character that she played. Like, like that didn't work for me. And there were, there were some other things like that, that I had problems with, but Thomas Jane, you know, I think was was good in the role i mean i i think he brought his all to it and, and you know i think he is a fan of the character yeah yeah and i mm -hmm. think that through you know it comes through because he did that dirty laundry short yeah oh yeah uh, dirty laundry is outstanding yeah and i think you know i think he's a fan and i think that came through is, I mean, you can tell he he loves what the issue became this when 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 they went to shoot the Warzone movie thomas jane originally was up for the role 
and he did the mist instead, which I love also. I know some people don't love the mist because it doesn't follow the book exactly, whatever, but that's another kind of t- topic. But when, when he wanted, he had, he had, they'd wanted to do more with the character and then they filmed Dirty Laundry. I mean, a very, you know, a great little short film that I think shows just that, that shows the Punisher. He's not looking for trouble. But when trouble shows up, all right, I guess I'll just forget, you know, like I can do this, you know, kind of thing. And what happens? He doesn't need, it's not like he needs to find a phone booth somewhere. He's like, he goes in and like, all right, let's do this. I think, and this, this was actually broached, nothing we were on the air to talk about, but some of the Daredevil series on Netflix and then season two, obviously the Punisher is in there. The, The realism that that Daredevil has compared to any of the daredevil movies or anything else or the comic books that to me felt real and grittier and dirty and grimy and then the jessica jones series again she has you know superpowers that was real and grimy and dirty and then luke cage was like that and the grounding of that part of marvel in this realistic again there are superpowers involved but this realistic more dirty aspect of the the and it's not bright and shiny it's not all middle of the day it's so counter i think to what we get in the thor movies and civil war and all those the avengers stuff i think being that they can both exist together but to me the punisher has to exist in that world that's kind of grounded in reality to begin with at least I'm not saying that, you know, and when we get to, what is it, Infinity War, that the Punisher is not going to be in there or whatever, because that's what they're kind of leading towards, that the Defenders eventually will get to that kind of point. I'm saying is the Punisher has to be grounded in reality. He has to be, I'm thinking of the prison fight, yeah, yeah. you know, the the that fight, although, I mean, the fight in Daredevil where he fights down the hallway and it's all shot in one shot in real time, that's insane. But the the prison fight, when he's going to, he's just like, I just showed my wife that piece. And she's like, are you kidding me? I was like, nope. That, that right there to me kind of sums up what the Punisher is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's impossible odds. He can't win, but he has to. He doesn't have a choice. He can't lose. Like, he's not giving himself that option to lose. He's got to survive. He's got to do whatever. And I think that reality-based is is something that's needed. And I think that's one of the reasons why maybe some people kind of dismiss the Punisher at least early on stuff. They, they kind of, like, either either they didn't appreciate, they didn't understand what they were reading. But I think some people kind of dismiss the Punishers not being, quote-unquote, this superhero. Well, a superhero, you know, in, in the idea of, that he's an alien or that he's got magical powers or that he's got, you know, is bit by a spider or whatever. That's not him. And I think sometimes he's kind of overlooked in that way because he doesn't fit that mold. Well, Tony Stark is yet just a person, you know, he's got a suit of armor on, but I think that makes the Punisher even more human that he doesn't need this stuff. He does what he can do and he's not perfect. You know, we already know he'll, he'll, will, he's still take the drug money. He'll till get rid of whatever, but it's all that reality kind of base. I think that sometimes, and again, not that the, not trying to bash any of the Marvel's kind of stuff or whatever, but to me, what the Marvel movies put out there what the MCU stuff puts out there on the big screen is bright and shiny and it's big and loud. And it's, I mean, I enjoy that stuff, but there was something when you just see them 
you know, in the, in the Daredevil series, you're like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> this is like, this is, I mean, well, again, it's not shot in New York City. They're doing a good job of kind of hiding it up, not being New York City, you know what I'm saying? By keeping it smaller and, you know, kind of darker and stuff. So anyway, so I don't want to get us all, I know we got a lot to talk about tonight. I don't want to get us all over the place. No, 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 this is cool because, yeah. you know, I, I yeah. love I love that prison sequence like you're saying. But, you know, it oh, reminds yeah. me of, of stuff like when he fights the Russian in the Thomas Jane movie, which comes from the mm-hmm. comics. Or, you know, when in the original five-issue miniseries, the, the Mike Zek miniseries, I love the sequence where he's in prison and the guy bumps into him and drops his food and is like, what the fuck's the matter with you? Like, you bumped into me and you made me drop my food. And then he looks up and realizes who he's mouthing off to and that it's the fucking Punisher. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. Like, have my fucking food. Like, I will eat this off the floor now. Like, carry on, sir. Like, don't don't mind me. I'm a total peon. Like, just go about your business. You know, and I just, yeah. all that kind of stuff. To me, like that, like you said, the scene in the prison with the Daredevil season two sums up the Punisher to you. And I think that scene in the, the Mike Zek miniseries Mm -hmm. like sums up the Punisher to me where I saw that and was like, Oh, this is the Punisher. Like this is, this is why I like the Punisher. The action figure blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, the Pop Culture Superstore, Bam Kapow, and Davy Boy's Toys. You can find us on Twitter at afblues, on Instagram at actionfigureblues, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash action figure blues but yeah you're, you're right um we should we should move on to the next one yeah. <laughs> my story is from punisher annual one and that's also from i guess the this series that we were just discussing the issue that john brought so i guess it's you know volume two or the the 80 series and everything it's on sale date was april 19th 1988 it was an annual, so it had a whopping cover price of $1.75. It had 64 pages. The cover that has a exterminator slashing Frank Castle's rifle is drawn by Brett Blevins. But I, I was sitting there looking at it going, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Brett Blevins, but, like, he worked on Batman and Sleepwalker and some other comics like that. And, like, I, I have a specific image in my head when I think of Brett Blevins, but when I was looking at that, I started wondering, like, because I looked at it and I was like, Is, did Will Sportaccio draw that cover? Did, did Jim Lee draw that cover? And I realized why I was thinking that is because the inker was Scott Williams, who's probably inked, like, everything that Jim Lee's done like at Marvel or something like that. So that I think that's why I had that vibe when I when I originally looked at the cover. The title of the main story is called Evolutionary Jihad. So again, tying it back to the whole, you know, Arab thing, I guess, sort of, but not really. The title is Evolutionary Jihad. The writer is Mike Barron, the penciler is Mark Texiera, and the 
annual is a tie-in to like this huge gigantic event that was running through all the Marvel annuals at the time called the Evolutionary War. Now the Evolutionary War is something that basically introduced me to a lot of Marvel comics so that's probably why this was my first Punisher comic because I decided I was going to follow this, you know, summer event, basically, because it seemed like every, you know, couple months, I mean, I know it's April, but basically it seemed like April, May, June, July, whatever, they, they released a couple annuals, and by the time you got through the, the summer, you had this whole big storyline with the High Evolutionary, who is kind of like a Kang-type figure, so that might explain, you know, my original, I, I'm not going to say distaste, but my original aversion to reading The Punisher, because I think I probably did expect a story where The Punisher was going to fight Kang, and when I didn't get it, then I was sort of surprised, because I think this is more of a traditional Punisher story. But just to go into the, the synopsis real quick for the main story, we open up on The Punisher having tracked down the biggest cocaine laboratory in all of Bogota, Colombia. His main target? El Kaiman a.k.a. the Great White. Before Frank can make his move, one of the High Evolutionary's agents, garbed in Eliminator armor, starts a gunfight. Even though his Korean rifle is outclassed, he manages to save a local girl and himself by tossing a hand grenade in the Eliminator's path. The girl, Lucinda, begs the Punisher, who she calls the Angel of Death, to help her find her papa. Frank engages additional agents of the High Evolutionary in Eliminator armor and knocks out the first guy repeatedly. One of the Eliminator's high-tech missiles brings down a building which inadvertently topples on their assailants. After a few more questions, Frank realizes Lucinda's father is El Kaimon himself. When he returns the girl to her father, the Punisher questions him on who their attackers were. When El Kaimon asks Frank who he is, he tells him straight up, he's the Punisher. He's there to persuade him, quote-unquote, to leave the coke trade. For now, the two have a common enemy in the Eliminators and agree to a truce. When another Eliminator attacks, El Kaimon provides the Punisher armor-piercing rounds, which he uses to shoot the High Evolutionary's man through the visor. When more Eliminators attack the villa, the two men and the young girl retreat to a secret tunnel that leads them to an escape helicopter. Once at the village, he shows off what he calls the tank to the Punisher. On display, we can see one of the armorless Eliminators is fed to Alkaimon's pet crocodile. When more futuristic aircraft come to the compound, the Punisher unleashes a Stinger missile on the craft. Although it explodes, a number of Eliminators are unleashed as a result. The private army of Alkaimon is no match for the armored group, and the Punisher heads back to locate some Teflon-coated ammunition and a rifle that can handle the rounds. Armed with some HKs, Lucinda loads the clips and tosses one to Frank just in time for him to unload on the encroaching Eliminator. Eventually, Frank whittles down the group to the last Eliminator who reveals he is an agent of the High Evolutionary. Their goal? To eliminate drugs and quote-unquote other genetic pollutants. The Punisher uses the last of his ammo to take down the final Eliminator. With the mutual threat defeated and the Punisher out of ammunition, El Kaimon turns on the Punisher, opening fire on him. The Punisher has one last Teflon bullet, though, and shoots the glass case, which houses the killer crocodile. With El Kaimon dead, Frank still saves the young girl Lucinda, leading her out of the jungle, hoping 
she doesn't plan to shoot him in the back. And that pretty much is the main storyline in the Punisher annual. There's a backup story that's also really good with Microchip. It's basically the first Microchip solo story. It's titled Three Hearts. It's written by Roger Salek and Mike Vosberg. And Mike Vosberg's art kind of reminds me a little bit of Howard Chaikin. But basically, it's, it's a story where Microchip is protecting an old friend of his who's remarried to this assassin. And then he's trying to also sort of protect her son, who is Microchip's godson. And, you know, ultimately he, he ends up, like, you know, he, he, he basically, like, takes out this guy by blowing him up in his own car by the end of the story. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty cool story, but I, I didn't kinda go into the nitty gritty details on it. And then there's this page for like kinda like a handbook of the Marvel Universe entry for Punisher's battle van and his warehouse. And then the sort of high evolutionary evolutionary war tie-in. Basically what happens is in all these annuals, there's like 11 of them. So there's all these chapters that are backup stories featuring sort of the origin or history of the high evolutionary, like chapter by chapter. So you've got Mark Grunewald writing and Paris Cullen's penciling. And in the chapter there, it's just a backup story with Herbert Edgar Wyndham, who becomes the High Evolutionary, and it goes into how he gets expelled from his university, and he turns his pet Dalmatian dog into a man-beast, and then at the end, the man-beast escapes, and he gets shot by the locals there. And then Wyndham meets with his old friend Jonathan Drew in Paris, France. And if you're not really paying attention, you wouldn't know, but Jonathan Drew is Jessica Drew's father. So there's sort of a brief Spider-Woman cameo because the little girl there is actually Spider-Woman. And they agree to use his wife's land inheritance to build a laboratory in the Wondergore Mountains. So that's all sort of part of the backstory of High Evolutionary and Spider-Woman, you know, in, in that little, you know, backup strip and everything. But it, it doesn't have a whole hell of a lot to do with Punisher, like, but the main storyline, I guess, is is what I kind of keyed in on for this. I mean, it's it's got some wonderful art. I met Mark Texera at the, I think it was the last time it was called the big wow comic con and it was in san jose because it, it eventually got rebranded like the silicon valley comic con and then everything turned to shit but you know the the <laughs> when it was called the big wow and it was san jose it was just a bunch of cool comic artists mostly and and, and cool you know dealers dealing stuff at their tables but he, he was really nice but it, he did it does exemplify, like, if you've ever listened to Back to the Bins when they bitch about those guys that, like, roll up, like, a suitcase full of, like, comic books or long boxes and stuff and, and expect, like, these artists to sign, like, every single one of them. So it was funny because I guess Neil Adams convinced him, like, because first he didn't have any, like, signs or anything. It was just like he wasn't going to charge anybody and he was just going to sign their stuff and and be like a good guy. And I think Neil Adams of course was, you know, charging whatever he charges like 30 bucks for a signature or something crazy. And so he's like, you know, dude, you got to you got to at least charge him something. So eventually there was this kind of hastily written sign that said 5 bucks for a signature and everything. 
And I'm like, dude, I, I brought my Ghost Rider poster and I wanted him to sign it. So I'm I'm all about to go up there. But right in front of me, there's this this young woman. Uh, I guess I'll call her a young woman. Just be nice. But anyway, there's this young woman in front of me, right? And 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 so so she comes up, right? And and I'm thinking like, gee, that's weird. Like she's really talking him up. And I go, well, you know, maybe you know, maybe she really is a fan or whatever. And and he's basically like, well, you know, it's it's five bucks for a signature, and it's not a long box of comics, but it's a long box of those Marvel Universe trading cards. And she took out oh like my God. every single fucking one of them that he had ever drawn. Like, and there must have been like I don't know, fucking thirty of them or some shit. And was like, and he's like, well, it's five bucks, and and she plunked down whatever it was, you know, the two hundred fifty bucks or whatever the fuck. And so I'm sitting there just waiting, you know, and like I'm trying to be polite and everything, but like it was driving me insane. Like I wanted to strangle her, you know, and I just kind of, you know, I, just, I, I just, sorry, not to cut you off. I was just yeah, about yeah. to say, it's like, that's why people get punched. That's why people get their face caved in. Oh my God. The, I mean, the, the only reason, the only reason why I didn't was because I'm like, well, at least, at least, you know, Mark is getting his, his, you know, bucks for doing this or whatever. So I was like, okay, that's a good thing. You know, like he's, he's getting some money out of it and everything. And she plunked it down. So I guess, you know, whatever. But I, I just thought it was kind of classless, you know, like, like, you know, maybe like, you know, you bring one thing or two things, but not like, you know, 40 things or whatever. But anyway, so eventually, and he she's knows, probably, <laughs> you know, she's probably out there paying with a check somewhere right now. Yeah. She, well, you start to wonder, like, is this to sell off? Like, I mean, do you really yeah. care about it that much? Like, it just seemed like so weird like the whole the whole thing and and for me i was just like dude i i really love your artwork i love ghost rider like you're one of my favorite artists who's ever drawn ghost rider like you know and 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 he he appreciated that and everything and and so he he drew like a little ghost rider sketch on the you know just like of his face on the poster and signed it and then like one of his buddies came up and i can't remember who it was at the time but it was another like comics professional or something and he actually was like can you can you take a picture of us and like and and the guy took a picture and everything because i think he felt bad that i you know sat there and waited through the 40 you know marvel universe <laughs> card signing or whatever you know and and he he was a really great guy and everything so i i just bring that up because we're talking about this and in the artwork in the annual but i mean i really really do and and he he's done obviously he's gone on to do you know other punisher comic books i mean one we're going to talk about you know after this but but like he's he's also he's also done you know Ghost Rider and Sabretooth and Wolverine and all kinds of like cool books and everything and I I've, I've always kind of been a fan of his style I mean it, it, you know the backgrounds are good but he 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 draws I mean I I think in some ways it was kind of interesting that he was sitting next to Neil Adams because I mean I I always got that kind of vibe of you know that that kind of realism but sort of in a a, a sketchy pencily way and, mm -hmm. and i've always kind of appreciated you know his art style and and this is kind of early on i think you know this i mean you know i know there's there's some some work he's done you know prior to this but but i i feel like to me this was obviously the first time i was ever exposed to his artwork and i i definitely enjoyed it i mean i i know it might be kind of strange I th i think the the whole notion of him tracking down you know, the the Colombian drug lord makes sense for the Punisher. I think him 
fighting these armored suited eliminator guys might be that element that you're talking about where it's it's kind of a little you know obviously it's it's, it's the tie-in it's 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 them trying to keep it semi-grounded but also still mm-hmm. tie into this whole evolutionary war thing and i think to me like i was expecting it to have a lot more to do with the high evolutionary when i read it as a kid and wondered like oh why does frank only get to fight these these guys in the the suits like why doesn't he get to like shoot the real bad guy in the face but you know obviously they they had a bigger story to tell and frank castle probably couldn't shoot the high evolutionary in the face so you know it's like that's just the way it was but but they have you know of course el Kaimon, you know and 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 there's kind of like the the weird trope that you know he's he's obviously defending and saving his daughter throughout the whole thing but he knows that that her father's this nasty son of a bitch and everything. So, I mean, I, you know, it, 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 revisiting it, it was fun to come back to it. Cause I, I don't think I've read this in a really long time. And I, I definitely appreciated this story and even the, the microchip backup story, which I think a lot of people sort of point to as, as a cool, fun, you know, solo microchip story as well. You know, the eliminator suits, they actually really remind me of the later, suits in spitfire and troubleshooters from its original in new universe run yeah 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 i can see that i mean in in some ways it kind of reminds me a little bit of because i i think this was right around the time i was also getting into x factor and you know cameron hodge had there were these like sort of anti-mutant guys and they had their own little suits and everything that they wore so eventually like cameron hodge was fighting I think Archangel in one of these suits and they 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 kind of looked like these except for they were golden and and they had like these big smiley faces on them and everything and it was it was supposed to be like sort of creepy or whatever but these look a little more like almost like the helmets kind of look like sort of like the alien from like Ridley Scott's alien to me like the way it's kind of got this elongated kind of protrusion you know and then and then you know they've got kind of like these scythes on the end of the the arms and everything so i mean you know it's it's for for what it is it's like you know it it seems like their motivations are a little funky or questionable you know like they're they're basically there to get rid of drugs because possibly those drugs will compete with the high evolutionaries genetic manipulation somehow like it, it seems it seems kind of tenuous almost like you know it, probably i'm sure you know mike Barron was probably just like all right well i'll just try to make this work you know the best i can with something i already had planned or something yeah it's almost like they had the story written with a different force maybe of bad guys or something and oh well we need to drop this story in here and the, we're, we'll just change the bad guys to this and you know, here you go. <laughs> yeah, the the thing when Frank says that he picked his name out of a fishbowl, and that's why he went after the Colombian drug lord. And I'm kind of like, okay, like I, because again, this I've, this is the first time I've ever read this. Uh, we I read it the other day, and I was like, huh, okay, like you know, because he has like I have a you know you know twelve bad guys that I'm going to pick your name out of the thing. And what I thought to me when he's when when he's looking through this like I don't on the the their all the people are getting killed and he's wading through the smoke to see what what's evil is going to emerge from there 
was definitely he was kind of reminded me a lot of like the, an EC comic, like an old Tales from the Crypt, and mm. here comes the monster out of the fog kind of thing. And you know, and Frank is certainly not the light, you know, but he is the right here. He's fighting for you know to to get rid of drugs, and now up oh, there's something some killing people. Okay, let's see what they're doing. And he's you know there's not what do you call it? it's not he's not turn tail and running. He's not looking to hide. He's like. Oh, I can't dent them with this. So let me use what I got. And it's like, you know, the ingenuity kind of thing with him. It just, I think I was trying to picture, I'm trying to remember. I, I first, I thought they looked kind of like one of the suits that like Nimrod had at one point. I'm trying to okay. think it was him, but it was like green and white. But I was thinking more of, there's two different types of Sentinel suit. You know what I'm thinking? Remember, remember the blue and white Sentinels? Yeah. yeah. And that, that, like, yeah, that's what I kind of like. When I first thought, I was like, again, once you realize it's pretty, like, oh, is it a sentinel? It's kind of small. It's like, oh, wait, it's not a sentinel. You know, kind of thing. That's what I thought at first. And it kind of gave me that kind of image. I'm thinking, trying to remember, did, I don't think they, on, on the X Men TV, the comic, the uh, X Men animated series, I think it was only the maroon and blue one, right? Right. right. Um, but they definitely had sentinels that were different colors. You know what I'm saying? There definitely was ones that were different things. So, I, I think though too, this they kind of strike me more as guys who be fighting Iron Man. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. they're guys in suits. They have that Iron Man y feel at that's you know, especially since I have a brother who loves <laughs> Iron Man and kind of thing, you know, uh, no, no, uh, I could, it kind of has totally, that feel. I could totally see Tony Stark like mopping the floor with these eliminator guys for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like 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 they're the guys sent out and he's just like, What are you doing? Him and War Machine just annihilating all these guys and be like that's what you got? Like, no, no, that was the first wave. Here comes the big guns. Like, and now comes these, like, you know, like, you know, Hulkbuster kind of, you know, whatever, eliminators, if you want to use that term. But it this is a very different, it, it, you can tell it's, it, it feels like two stories that were kind of like sewn together. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you were saying there, it's like, it didn't, maybe this wasn't supposed to be these guys. Maybe it was supposed to be some other cartel, or maybe it was supposed to be some other radical group or whatever. And they were like, okay, well, let's chop this piece off and let's keep this stuff. Because I feel like when you see Frank interacting with the daughter and and the El Cayman, El Cayman, you know, that stuff feels a lot like Punisher stuff. And the other stuff seems to be, okay, well, it happens to be these guys in suits. And it could have very well been guys in body armor. It could just been, you know, just actual, you know, not just, a, not, a, not a, like, I don't want to say a mech suit because it's not really a mech suit, but like, you know, they didn't have to be as high, you know, be able to fly and be able to do that. It could have been guys, you know, you know, kind of coming in. You know, and, it, and it, it, I thought it was a good story. I thought it was definitely it was a good read. I enjoyed reading it. The microchip story was great. Yeah, like so because yeah. to me, microchips is kind of the fat guy, you know, kind of thing. But no, that but was he, a really cool story. He's he's pretty badass in that. I mean, he yeah. he definitely he also takes care of business. I mean, you know, people make some some commentary about how he's not quite as deliberate as the Punisher. You know, he he kind of has to take his moments and you know, catch his breath and kind of come up with the gumption right. to do it. But it seems like once he's he's settled on doing it, he, he's got a game plan. And it's like, if, if, if I can't blow you up with a bazooka, I'm going to blow you up in your car, you know, and, 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 yeah. and he doesn't, you know, give two shits about it or whatever. I mean, I, I kind of like that about him and, and even the Punisher in the annual where, you know, it, it's kind of like what you're saying. It's like, yeah, these are uh, these villains at least that that side of the story is a little more fantastical but they're not so they're not so imposing as to distract 
the hero from doing what he right. needs to do. And and it's it's almost like that thing of, oh, I can't I can't shoot you with my nine millimeter. Well, I'll just throw a grenade in your face. How's that? You know, yeah. and, and that works. You know what I mean? Or, or it's like, oh, th- this kind of rifle won't take you out. Well, what if I get this armor piercing rifle and shoot you in the face? You know, and it's like, OK, cool. Like that's it, it, it's funny, too, because that that trope sometimes comes to bite him in the ass when he interacts with more you know of those colorful marvel cinematic universe characters you're talking about because sometimes it'll be one of those things where it's like oh my nine millimeter didn't work well what if i get a bazooka and then it's like oops the bazooka didn't work either you know because it's like fucking thor or thanos or somebody and it's like well (laughs) it's like too bad you know like sorry like that shit's not gonna work but but in this case, like, you know, the Eliminators are not, you know, they're they're sort of mid-level. And it's like, yeah, they could be, you know, kind of mop-up goons for Iron Man. But for Punisher, it's it's a little more of a, a challenge, mm-hmm. you know, which, which and it's a challenge he rises to. So you, you, you sort of get an entertaining story out of it. Yeah, I really loved the technical pages, you know, of his his van and in the warehouse and stuff. I just love that. I miss that stuff. You know, I, m- I remember the, you know, the first one in G.I. Joe where they showed the the cutaway of the pit or whatever. Right. But um, or, or the back cave, you know, whenever you saw one of those, it was always cool. But I was struck by how much content was in this annual. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it, it yeah. really reminded me of how much and how I loved those back in the day and how much fun they used to be. You know, it wasn't just one story that was maybe two pages longer than normal or whatever, but you know, it actually had this extra content in it. And and that was pretty cool. Well, that that's, that's, that's part of my, what I always talk about with my, my stories from the spinner acts, because this was definitely a quick stop comic. And this was to keep me occupied while my mom was getting like her nails and her hair done or whatever it was at the salon. So it's like, this was the kind of thing it's like oh this is an annual like this is going to take me a while to read you know like like it was one of those things where this is going to be awesome and i could just sit down and just take my time and pour over all the pages and everything and and like you said i mean especially compared to modern day comics it's like what you pay you know two to three times as much as this costs and you're done with it in like 30 seconds or something whereas this it's like you 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 it's not you know it's like we always uh, i don't know i always used to joke with my friends you know because we'd always like you know go to the bathroom or whatever it's like i'm gonna bring something to read with me and it's like you know our joke was always like you know oh you need to read like you know an alan moore comic when you go to the bathroom you know like you need to read something that's like meaty that that you know gives you some time it's like it's like you can't just read like a brian michael bendis comic because then you'll be out of stuff to read before he get the first one out you know brian Mac- he's he's the king of the splash page splash page <laughs> double splash page yeah you, either, no no words <laughs> either that or it's just like a bunch of heads and it's like the same yeah. same head like statted like 15 times <laughs> Just, 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 just as a thing there. This is that's one of the things my brother and I were just talking about. This he just so one of the one of the new posters that came out of Japan for Kanga Skull Island dropped, and it was just oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Just yeah. great looking, right? And well, I really like the Apocalypse Now one they did. That's that's one of the ones that they just came out with, and this was the one where it shows all the things. And I said, wow, isn't it amazing when you look at this that like this poster is able to tell so much more story in one one sheet then some people can tell in 30 pages of comic books. <laughs> it does, though, because it, could, it tells you what's happening there. I mean, and to me, I always thought about it like this. During the 90s, we got what was called, you know, the, it was the Scream poster. Scream, 
was really good at putting a black background and all pretty faces that faded into the black. And it was all them. And every single freaking movie had that kind of poster. And that was what it was. And it became the norm. And then you had, and you can see it no matter what, what you're looking at. Cause then you had, you know, everyone kind of copied that cause it worked. Well, in comic books, you see that too. You got a style that works for one guy, you know, like, let's all do this. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, but it's, it's sometimes that's good. And sometimes it's bad to me. A splash page is designed for a big event. It, your whole book can't have like splash page after splash. It can't just be that. You know, there's a reason why when we were reading like this issue or the issue, uh, you know, the, the the number number seven we just talked about, there's panels and there's things occurring and there's dialogue because you got to move the story along. Your story can't just be okay, let's just have little things talking to each other, you know, kind of thing for one second. And then like nothing and nothing and nothing. It's, I mean, it's beautiful, but what does it signify? You know, what does it, you know, me, you know, kind of thing. I just think it's funny that that happens to me, newer comics. And I know how to hear, I don't read a lot of newer comics, but the newer comics I have read, they just seem to like, I'm like, okay. Like, I mean, to me, a Scooby-Doo comic, I read with my daughter has more in it than, some of the newer things that you know dc or marvel like the like the superman and whatever kind of stuff i'm not saying they don't have story to them but i feel like i'm doing a lot more reading with her in the scooby-doo comic you know kind of thing than i am if we were reading an issue like when we got an issue of it was suicide squad and it had harley quinn on the cover and like whatever kind of thing like she's got the the you know it's her on the couch and i'm reading this and it's supposed to be part of her backstory and her abuse and all this stuff and i'm like this took like five minutes like it like and i wasn't trying to read fast but at the same time i was reading the the predator omnibus and these are stories i've actually read before but i don't have all the comics anymore and i saw and a couple of the and i'm reading that and each issue takes a time to read yeah yeah you know and that's a predator story that's not like we're not talking super deep here you know kind of thing so anyway sorry again i hate i I, i'm really bad at like getting us off track no 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 no. uh, No, i i think it's good because i i agree with you and and a lot of the times i mean usually people were always shocked even when i was a kid because of how much i love comics how fast i would rip through them and i would rip through them quickly even when they were this size the size of an angle Mm -hmm. and were fully packed to the gills and had you know many panels and and a lot of story and even multiple stories and you know text to read for all the you know the battle van and the the warehouse and all that good stuff and it's like you know I guess to put it in perspective I, I was reading those fast back then so to me it's it's like you know you, you you feel like you're the freaking Flash or something with modern comics where mm-hmm. you're just like, dude, like that that didn't take me. It, it, it it's it's always my joke of if if we're prepping for a show and it's 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 issues like this. I said, well, this may take me maybe you know ten or twenty minutes to prep for, but then when it's you know something like you're saying, like you know a, a modern comic, whether it's Bendis, especially when it's Bendis, I'm always like, what what are we reading? I'm all oh, just give me like five minutes, I'll be right back. You know, because it's like yeah. you know it's it it's it's not it's it's not all that intensive. I mean, and that doesn't mean it's it can't be entertaining, but but in terms of your expenditure, you know, whether it's, you know, money or, or, or time or what have you, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, hey, like, you know, I, you know, I, I would have expected to get more time for X amount of money than I did, you know, and, and that's that's just 
you know, I guess how it works now where a lot of times you, you feel more satisfied, kind of like what you were talking about before with Watchmen, you know, it's like, it's like you read it as a complete story and, and that's not to, to take away from Watchmen. Cause I think each of those chapters obviously has a hell of a lot more content than any modern book, but oh, I find, God, yeah. I, I find myself a lot of the times I want to read something like once it's finished, like, like basically I, I, I've been meaning to read Justice League versus Suicide Squad for a while now. And it's like, now I know it's finally done. So I'm sure I'll be able to read it in like 10 minutes sometime. Like when I find the time, you know, and it's like, you know, but, mm-hmm. but I just haven't sat down and done it yet. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the things, cause the friend I was talking about, I I'm friends with Franco Orleani, who is, he's my, my, daughter's godfather we work together and stuff and he's part of rd baltazar and franco they they work for they work for dc that's tiny titans and they have their own imprint and yeah. that's uh all your comics and stuff and they now are doing stuff with archie and all that stuff right when he would we i was at his house and we were moving comic books one day which was a big undertaking because it's a lot of comic books he used to own a comic book store and stuff and he said oh man look at this and he pulls out all the issues of watchmen bagged and boarded you know, and I'm like, holy cow. And he goes, dude, he goes, this drove me nuts. I'd read it because he would work. He was working. And he was as a kid, you know, you're kind of working. He would get the issue and he'd read it. And then he'd be working, read it again. And he goes, he was, you killed me to have to wait till the next month for it to come. Because you just so, it was just like, oh my God, I have to, I want to see what's going to happen. It is one of the reasons when he said that to me, I was like, well, you ever wonder why I don't watch TV shows that are like, I mean, I can watch like comedies and stuff like that goldberg's big bang but to me i have i've seen one episode of walking dead because i need the series to end and then i can watch them all in a row and be done with it that is why i love that daredevil and netflix they Uh put the whole season out now i know there's a second season kind of thing but the whole season's there it's just that i if i if i wanted to not that i have time because i do have a wife and a daughter if i wanted to i could watch them all in a row and binge it all out and do it all you know it's just the idea of the ability to do that to me is something that's that i like doing that's why i like trades better than i like individual issues and the other thing too is and this is something i i looked as as a kid it used to drive me nuts i would you know let's say if i was like that's that's probably why i like war journal so much i like the idea of having uh, an issue you know start middle end i always thought of that's why i read i've read a lot of tales from the crypt and a lot of Vault of Horror and a lot of Haunt of Fear. It's because they were they were a bunch of stories in there, right? But it was here's the story, but um bump bump, guy dies, whatever, go you know, ghost comes back, werewolf kills him, his ex-wife doesn't die, whatever happens, you know, you got him, you know, an end. Okay, and an end. And I like those ideas, like those little contained stories. And when you look at things like like the annual here we we're, we're talking about, we kind of get a complete story of what, you know, Frank shows up, this happens, boom. Now, yes, is there is there more going to happen? Yes, we understand they're walking off to the jungle and he's hoping not to get shot in the back. But it gave you a nice beginning, middle, and end. And the microchip story gave you a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I that's why I think they were, that's why I liked them so much. I think, oh, these are good. Like, that's, to me, is the old style of telling a story that I, I liked a lot as a kid and I still like now as an adult. You know what I'm saying? That kind of complete, here it is, boom. Because when you, again, when things go on and on and on, and I, I think of it this way, is my wife used to watch soap operas with her parents and everything. I was like, a soap opera, you you know, you, you something's happening, 
and it happens and happens and happens and it takes weeks for it to happen. I would go off to, I would be at college and I wouldn't see anything. And I would come home and my wife would be like, we're just going to watch days of our lives. And I'm like, this is the exact same place we were three weeks ago. <laughs> like, really? Like yeah. nothing's happening, you know? And I think that part of that is though too, is just, again, your mindset of how things work. So there is a lot of, of soap opera in serialized comics. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, I mean, some people, you know, we, we, we take comfort in the familiarity sometimes, you know, and the, the serialized nature of it, you know? And, and I think, I, I think especially for podcasting purposes, sometimes I, I struggle to find those stories where they're, you know, as they say, done in ones, you know, they have the mm-hmm. beginning, middle and an end, you know, because sometimes you're like, Oh man, this, this isn't going to make any sense. It's the fifth part of a five part, you know, storyline or whatever. And then you have to explain a bunch of stuff before you actually get into talking about the actual story, you know? And, yeah. and so I, 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 you know, and and it's like, sometimes that's a catch 22 because I mean, as a kid, it's like, I sort of glommed all that up. I'm all, you mean there's more of this? Like I can, I can piece it all together like a puzzle and, and understand right, the whole right. story. And you, you sort of strove to do that. So, I mean, you know, to me, there's, there's pros and cons to both of it. And, and I, I can definitely appreciate the, the attraction to, to a done in one as much as I can appreciate the attraction yeah. to like a, a long winding serialized story with subplots and all that stuff. I mean, it seems like now when they write for trades, it's like some of that subplot oh, stuff, yeah is is eliminated because you Mm -hmm. you have the beginning middle and an end it's just split over six parts in pamphlets not really comics (laughs) but pamphlets you know and then and then when they put them all together in a trade then you have you know sort of a story i mean that's how i read bendis's daredevil i couldn't stand i didn't even buy the fucking comics i was like this is stupid like i was like i waited for the trade the trade came out and it was like 12 bucks or whatever it was and i would sit down and then i'd be done with it in like five minutes you know and it'd be like half a year's worth of stories you know and you're mm-hmm. just like and it's not like i wasn't entertained or whatever but you know it's 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 just sort of the way that that industry works now where they they create this immediately disposable entertainment but also kind of jones you to to try to you know get more of it because that binge aspect you're talking about comes into play where they you know they they figure if they get you hooked then you're gonna binge you know more of it so instead of them doing more work they sort of chop up the work for the one story and then still create that binge element where you're gonna try to keep up with with whatever the the storyline is and everything hello ladies and gentlemen this is jason jacanetti you may recognize my voice from the vault of starling monster horror tales of terror and if you don't you should be listening but today i need to ask you a few questions do you like big bugs and you cannot lie other robots just can't deny that when the queen of space walks in and puts a blast from your face that your gears get sprung are you deep in the bee we're sharing Are you hooked and you can't stop staring? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then have I got a podcast for you. Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. From classics to cults and all the yummy, yummy cheese in between. Look for my new show, Bots, Bugs, and Babes, on the Two True Freaks Network and on iTunes. That's Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. Double J on the Triple B is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. But yeah, let's... 
let, let's go on to the, the comic that you brought tonight, Jay. Sure. Okay. Let me get my – sorry. Let me turn here and get my notes because I wrote crap down. I'm a math teacher, so <laughs> I got, like, lists and notes, and I actually wrote stuff on – like, it's on a graph paper notebook, so it's all nice and neat. Sweet. Uh, so, I'm like, I'm like pull, yeah. pulling back the veil. I, I write stuff down, too. I just pretend like <laughs> I'm, I don't write stuff down. I try to act like I'm saying it off the cuff. So. I may well, I may have wrote stuff down and left it on my desk at work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I look at it this way: is anybody who, if if anyone listens to when I'm on the vault with my brother and the Chris's, I, I I the stuff I have written down, I have the trivia stuff. Like that's the guy. Like I'm the guy who has all the weird, crazy facts and stuff like that. And I could talk about the movie because any movie we're talking about, I've probably seen. You know, at least a couple of times, if not dozens or hundreds of times, Monster Squad comes to mind, you know, kind of thing. And then when I'm on, but when I do my bots, bugs and babes with my dad or what, you know, kind of thing, I have to kind of like read the story. So I, if I said to my dad was, this is kind of boring me reading what's happening. And then we talk, why don't I just kind of start talking about it? And I have all the notes in front of me and we just kind of jump in where we need to. Right, He's like, right. that sounds way better. Like a conversation. And I was like. And I said to my dad, he goes, why didn't you think of that before? I go, dad, you know, I've only been doing this for a little while. Dad, like I have to kind of figure these things out. And I said, you know, you know, you could, you know, my dad writes stuff down, but he does what I do. He becomes the the cool info guy, you know, throwing in stuff. And I'm like, you know, it's just different when you're kind of broaching things. I mean, and again, you had, you know, to do a comic book, I had to like, okay. Like, so like, there's not like, it's not like I go on IMDB and just pull up all the stuff. And I was like, so Luke's like pointing me in places to go, whatever. I'm like, Oh, I get this information. So anyway, here we go. Punisher War Journal number 28. Its title is Meat, even though the cover says Dead Meat. For a long time, I thought it was called Dead Meat. It has a cover date. It's March 1991, but actual release date was January 29th, 1991, with a cover price of $1.75. So we're kind of getting, this is when the price started moving up and inching up back in there in the 90s it has it's 32 pages but there's the the story is actually 20 pages of the 32 so your cover artist was michael golden i want to hang right there michael golden for those of you who might know him he did micronauts he did the nam gi joe covers obviously he did uh, punisher covers he did, did probably my favorite cover of all time september of 84 issue number 27 of gi joe it's Snake Eyes, the origin part two. It's the cover where there's the the subway train with all the awesome looking graffiti on it. And Snake Eyes is getting kicked in the face and knocked out of the train by Storm Shadow. That was the first comic I ever bought off a of spinner rack because of the cover. And I was like, oh my, God, I have to have this dad. I have to. And what that probably cost, like 75 cents. Yeah. You know, and that's like, all right, we can get it. And I'm like, dad, but look at Storm Shadow and, and Snake Eyes. All I know is when that name came up, I'm like, that name sounds familiar. And I went and looked up. That is my absolute favorite cover of all time. It is awesome. Anyway, sorry. No, no, um, no, it's cool. So, I, I was going to yeah. say, like, speaking of Mark Texera, like, same thing with Michael yeah. Golden. I mean, I did get to get him to sign some stuff at Big Wow. So I've got. I've got a Bucky O'Hare print, and I've got the two G.I. Joe prints. I think it's from the yearbook. It's the, the G.I. Joe yearbook where they're, they're standing on, like, the American flag and all the Joes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sky Striker and stuff. And then there was another mm -hmm. print with all the Cobra guys. So, like, I couldn't choose, so I just I, 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 I had him sign the Bucky O'Hare one and then the two G.I. Joe prints. But, yeah, he was a nice guy. Yeah, well, I mean... And and if I th you think about it, he's doing 
the the Nam and GI Joe and Punisher. It's a lot of the same, you know. It's, it's things with weaponry and stuff like that. And again, you get a guy who knows what he's doing and can make it look realistic and yet draw you in. A cover, sometimes a simple cover works. Sometimes that simple, just you know, very. I'm thinking like, oh, I can't think. Death in the Family. It's it's the the Batman cover where it's just kind of like very simple looking. Things like that sometimes work, but you need especially in the 80s, you want someone to notice what's on the spinner rack, it's hard. You're fighting for space on that spinner rack. You want to like, oh, what's this? You know, you want people to catch to your eyes. So editor-in-chief at the time was Tom DeFalco. The writer is Mike Barron. Pencils and Ink by Mark Teixeira. Colorist was Gregory Wright. Letterer, Jim Novak. The editors were Don Daly and Kevin Kobasic. Our story begins. It opens with the animal rights activists protesting outside of Bruno's Steakhouse. Inside, Frank is having lunch with a friend named Joy. Now, this is Joy Adams. She was in issues, I'm pretty sure it was 37 through 40 of the actual Punisher Volume 2. So, obviously, it's later than, obviously, the number seven we talk about, but it's in that same vein. So, as Frank and Joy leave the restaurant, a protester throws red paint on Joy's fur coat, and Frank responds by decking the protester. Uh, Amy calls her boyfriend. Yeah. Well, he caves his face in, dude. Like... Uh, again, Yay. I mean, I don't know how much, I don't know how much that happened out where you guys were, but in it, it was a a real thing that in especially down in New York City, if you were wearing a fur coat, you got hit with something, and it, it got to the point it got real bad, you know, for a while there. Now people have stopped because again, everyone gets sued now, so you just don't do that anymore. Anyway, but yeah, he caved his face, and that was that was great. So Amy calls her fian- boyfriend slash fiance. It's kind of hard because he's. He's listed as her boyfriend, but he's kind of her fiance, Cole. And we find out that the Animal Liberation Army put a bomb in his mailbox. But the bomb managed to blow up the mailman instead of him. That kind of made me think of Dirty Harry. Not, it's not in Dirty Harry. Was it in The Enforcer when he, he's taking the mailbox apart to take the bomb out of the mailbox, if you guys remember the old Dirty Harry movies. Cole, it turns out, is actually Cole Grist. It's the, he's one of the biggest meat packers in the entire country. Cole hires Frank to act as his bodyguard. While they're out at dinner, Frank starts to notice that Grist has something strange going on and seems to be have mood swings and runs to the bathroom a lot. Now, I can just hold it there for a second. We'll find out why he's doing that, but at first you're like, man, maybe he's got irritable bowel syndrome. How do you know? <laughs> you know? Um, I'm, I mean, hey, if you're eating that much meat, you might have the meat shits. It happens oh. sometimes, but, you know, but it's okay. You know, <laughs> just throwing it out there, you know, and... <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I <laughs> cracked myself up. I'm sorry. I gotta be gotta be serious here. No, no, no. Cole has uh, Cole has a meeting at the plant after dinner, but Frank notices that he he goes in the side door. As Frank and Amy go to check things out, he winds up knocking out a member of the Animal Liberation Army who's trying to attack them. Another member of the army that we have seen earlier at the protest breaks in, and Frank and Amy get the drop on him. After they they take his gun, the activist is ranting about how evil Grist is. And Cole winds up shooting him dead with a machine gun. Amy's shocked at Cole, who then threatens her and Frank. Frank kicks the sledgehammer. that th- He got a sledgehammer with his foot, picks up a sledgehammer and throws it across him, hits Cole with it, giving him a chance to escape to the freezer. When they're in the freezer, Grist opened fire. Frank is figures out that's like that, actually that point is when you learn that why he's going to the bathroom so much. He's a crack addict because he then fires up the crack pipe and smokes that little panel on the bottom of the page and he's smoking crack. So Frank escapes the freezer by riding uh, a train of beef sides right out the door. 
And as he goes upstairs, he finds Cole's stash, and then Cole goes after Amy. As Frank heads back towards Grist, he sees that he, uh, he has Amy hostage. Frank throws down his gun to get closer to Grist, who has now released Amy, which I thought was a really bad move on his part. Amy then <laughs> operates the meat hook behind him, hooks him by his collar, and as he goes up, Frank guts him. He puts the knife, the butchering knife from the, uh, the floor into his gut. He dies, bleeds all over his shoes, and Frank and Amy walk out, and that's the Punisher War Journal number 28. The first, the first Punisher book I ever bought, period, was this War Journal. Because I kind of, I had seen Punisher in a Spider-Man, like one of the Spider-Man issues. I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty cool. And we're in the comic book store and Luke goes, dude, I think you'll like Punisher. He's, 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 not, he's a regular human. I'm like, eh, I'll try War Journal. It just seriously was that random of me just saying, eh, I'll give it a try. And I love it. I mean, I have issues earlier than this of War Journal that I picked up over the years, you know, kind of you pick them up, you know, cheap. Yeah. Kind of thing, especially when you went back to the comic book store and our comic book store, the local, you know, our local comic book store, was this little tiny place. And actually the people who owned it live in the same complex I live now. I see them every once in a while. It was the best place. You just went in and it had that smell of comic books. You know what I'm talking about? The, the paper yeah. smell of comic books. Oh my God, it takes your back. You're like, oh. And they would have sometimes like a couple of the older issues. And like, oh yeah, we have some. And they'd sell it to you right for the cover price. They weren't trying to jack whatever up on because they weren't worth anything, you know, kind of thing. And it was just great. This, this, and this is what I'm talking about. This is a one and done. Like, you don't have to know the, who Joy is. You don't have to know that she has a whole bunch of relationship right. with him from five issues back in the day. You don't have to care about Grist at all as whatever else he's doing. They set it up for you. It happens. I mean, the Animal Liberation Army, this is the only time they ever appear in a comic book. You know what I'm saying? And it's a one and done encapsulating. And I think that's why when I read it, I was like, oh, this is good. If Punisher comics are like this, I think I'll read Punisher comics. And I, I wonder if maybe if it was kind of one of those open-ended kind of things because punisher war journals went on a while where they would do two issues it'd be like you know first half second half first half second half i think of like i mean african saga came before this and that probably would have hooked me really easily if i'd ever had a chance to read it as a kid instead of when i got older but war journals were always one or two issues one or two issues one or two issues and it was great because i think that allowed me to kind of be hooked in and if it was one of those two issue ones you read the first issue and you're like Oh man, I gotta wait a month to read the second half of this? I mean, you know Frank's not gonna die, but you're like, I gotta find out who he kills, you know, kind of thing. What'd you guys think of this issue? Uh, going from animal rights activists to crackheads? <laughs> that was like shifting gears without a clutch there. That was just like, <laughs> whoa. Because you expected it to tie back to the animal thing at the end. And, but I was like, oh, okay, I guess this works too. <laughs> you, know? you know, the funny part is, if you think about it, again, this is 91, right? Yeah, 91. So we were getting at, again, we're at, like we talked about with, with your issue, we, you know, the, the, during the Reagan years, getting into Bush and stuff, there's the war on drugs, there's all that stuff. The Punishers, you know, the, if you think about the comics, they never shied away from anything. There's not like, I mean... Yes, there's the very famous, oh, it's with Green Arrow and Green Lantern. Neil Adams wrote it, didn't he, when uh, the, the, Speedy's on drugs? It's Danny O'Neill, but Neil Adams Danny did the art. Sorry. It's, it's the hard-traveling heroes, I guess, is usually what yeah. they label it. But yeah, yeah, that whole, you know, like, right. your ward's a junkie, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And it was all about right. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Neil Adams drew it. I, I should know him, but so uh, you know what I'm saying. But like, there's been that. But other than that, I mean, the Punisher was where they dealt with, you know, people who were, you know. You know, drug pushers and drug yeah, addicts yeah. and things like that were not unheard of there. And again, not a huge reader of, let's say, Silver Surfer or, you know, X-Men or stuff like that. But I don't ever remember hearing there are a lot of stories that tied in drugs and any of those things at yeah, all. Yeah, it's, 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 well, I, I'm not going to say it's rare, but like the, the other thing I can think of that was famous at the time, because I think, I think the hard traveling heroes did the whole story without the comics code authority. So like it was in a time where at least talking about drugs was sort of forbidden, you know, like you had to mm -hmm. send out the comic without the comic seal. And then the, the only other story I remember that went out without the comic seal back in the day was, was there were those three issues of Spider-Man where it was kind of vague, you know, Stanley was still writing it. So like Harry Osborn was tripping balls on like some fake drug. I, I forget what it was called, but it's like, dude, PDO, I'm, I'm taking these pills, man. And everything's like bright and I'm dancing and I'm going to dance off the fucking roof or whatever. It's like, Harry, you snap out of it you know and it's supposed to be like you know teaching kids of the ills of drugs or whatever because you know he took some colored pills and and you know trip balls and could have hurt himself basically and and so like there was that story that went out without the comics code but but, but by this point like you're saying it's the 90s it's like the code mm -hmm. was, was probably lightened up or whatever i mean i this this actually is like a direct to market one so maybe it doesn't even have the the comics code seal like because it is one of the more expensive books like i remember like like i remember reading this run of punisher because i i remember the issues before it like because there was the whole sicilian saga because it always stood out to me mm -hmm. like they talked about how frank castle like when his family came over their their name was castiglione and like they they shortened it when they came to Ellis Island, so that's why his name is Frank Castle. And, like, he, he goes back to Sicily and gets involved in, you know, some kind of, you know, Frank Castle stuff, basically. You know, and, 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 you know he gets involved with, like, the Sicilian mob and a bunch of other stuff, I think, in that story. But the, the other thing I like about this is, and this is not to decry my own choice or whatever, but I really like Mark Texera's art when he inks himself. Like, it, it mm -hmm. just brings out all the pencils, and he, he, obviously, he knows himself best, you know, so I think, I think, you know, the art was fine in Punisher Annual 1, but I think, you know, somebody else inking him versus him inking himself, it's usually always more enjoyable to me when, when he inks his own work, because it, it just looks... I, I don't know how to say it other than it, it just looks a lot more solid, it looks a lot more like it brings out his his original intent with his pencils you know so i i definitely enjoyed it from that aspect and then you know the, like like we've been saying like there is that whole entertaining aspect of of the catharsis it's like you know it, it's not like i have anything against animals or people who defend animal rights but somebody who just you know throws pain on somebody because they're wearing a fur coat it's like i i kind of like seeing the guy get decked and you know then you've got the meat packing guy and i'm sure some people with with you know problems with the the meat industry in general probably like seeing him turn out to be you know a crackhead scumbag who gets knifed and and hung up by his own meat hook i mean you know there, there's catharsis on both ends for everybody involved so it's like how could you how could you go wrong with that you know i don't know they 
they did try and make him seem like he was not the cleanest guy in the world, though. Yeah, yeah. You know, before mm-hmm. they said that he was, you know, doing doing the crack. But, you know, they kind of implied that maybe he had some mob ties or something. And, you know, I, at least that was what I picked out of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean... He, oh, he, no, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seemed shady. So, I mean, even before yeah. we knew he was... He was doing the crack. <laughs> I just think it's funny that, like, like I, I mean, I think, I think, you know, the the fact that that Joy and Punisher had a previous relationship and other issues, like, I mean, you you get that from from this issue, but but it does seem like she's she's one of those characters that's like sort of by the grace of Frank, you know, like because it's like it's like it's it's lucky for her that. It just like I guess maybe at the end it's lucky for him that she's around, but but still it's like she 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 does kind of have those lines where she's like, boy, I sure can't pick him, can I? You know, like yeah, you know, it's like I I I, I kind of was involved with you, and you're kind of a, a a you know not not the the straightest you know arrow in the bunch, and then and then she goes from Frank to this guy who's who's even worse, you know. So it's like you know it's like you might want to I don't know raise your standards or, 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 you know, date outside of, outside of this, this circle of folks or whatever. But yeah, she, she needs to do the George Costanza and think, would I date him? Yes. Then avoid him. And would I date him? <laughs> no. Okay. He's perfect. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, and, and the thing is too, I mean, again, I, I didn't have, actually never read the issues that she that 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 we're referring to here but i guess it was something down in central america or you know kind of thing and it's again she's in it for a bunch so i'm assuming it's a run of something going on or whatever the case might be and again you know i mean clearly there's something there but when they come out and the guy said you're wearing a fur you know did you kill the animals that are fur coat she goes no my boyfriend did and i'm like what up bitch thing to say but okay <laughs> like and he just like red paint take that and he's like bam you're on the ground buddy you know pick up your chiclets when you're done you know kind of thing so it's just i just it's just i think that's what kind of tapped into though that like i mean who who else is in, in the marvel universe is going to cave someone else's face in like that like that's not going to happen to a guy you know he's not a super villain he's a guy with a can of red paint bam you're on the ground you know kind of thing so you know to me the war journals were always those kind of things they were those stories that just kind of were you know you could I was trying to remember. Oh, I'm trying to, I remember. It's one of. I was actually one of the, my favorite ones. Was the one in him. They're on a bus with a serial killer kind of thing, and you're like, it's it's. And I was like, this is great. Like it's and it's like this is this could be a movie. This could be a little not necessarily like a you know, two hour movie. This could be a, like part of an anthology of different things. And you're kind of looking at this like that totally makes sense. And that makes sense because why? Because it's all that kind of you know. At the end of the day, there's dirty deeds that need to be done. And some people in the Marvel Universe can't get their hands dirty to do dirty deeds. I think we all know when you need when you need a fixer, you know who to call. You know what I'm saying, kind of thing. Uh, it's like it's what is that? It's Pulp Fiction, right? When Mr. Wolf comes in, mm-hmm. uh, Harvey Keitel, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, see, you you made a mess of this. I need to clean it up. You know, kind of. Thing. You like so. Oak? You like oak? <laughs> I'm an oak. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's well. Do do, do you think that's the sign, though, of a good Punisher story? Is that 
it really doesn't have to be Frank. It just has to be that that guy that's just going to go get it done. You know, because I think any of these stories you could really take, it wouldn't have to be the Punisher, but it would still have to be that same kind of guy, you know, that, yeah. that, that person. And, and this is part of it for me. I always like to think that I would be that person that if something was going wrong, I'm going to stand up for what's right, you know, no matter what the consequence is. And, and I think that's probably what I see in myself that attracts me to this. And and I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I see in the hallmark of a good story. I think all three of these had that, you know, where you, you read them and you go, Oh, I, you know, he's doing what's right. I don't think too, is, you, you know, we, and I think we mentioned death wish, you know, before we talk about the idea of, you know, like some, you know, his family's, you know, some's happening. He's now getting, you know, I mean, I grew up, uh, you know, seeing a lot of things that most people of my age had never seen. Like, you know, when my, when my friends were all like, you got to see that movie, but it's rated R. And I'm like, yeah, but there's no naked people in it. So it's totally okay. <laughs> violence. Oh, okay. So again, I don't know how much you guys have heard of when Luke and I get together. When Luke and I get together, it gets to be, you know, them jack and netted boys get working. When we were the age, how was it? So it's 1986 or 87. Whenever, whenever Predator was playing in the theaters. My dad and mom took us to see Predator with a sneak preview of RoboCop. So my brother is seven years old and I am nine years old. And we sat there and we're like, these movies are amazing. And Predator is still one of my favorite movies of all time. And I, I, RoboCop is a movie I absolutely love. But our, my friends and my brother's friends are like, you were allowed to see those movies? And we're like, yeah, of course we were. And there's no not, there's no – Naked people, no one's having sex, none of that stuff was going on in those movies because they were that's not the kind of movies they were. And they were like, Really? And I'm like, Yeah, well, haven't you seen Carpenter's The Thing? And they're like, What's that? I'm like, You never saw Carpenter. I mean, I'm eight years old. Like, you never seen Carpenter's The Thing? I mean, we watched The Omen. We watched, I mean, I think I was 10. I think I was maybe 10 when I first saw The Exorcist. And my dad said, No, no, we got to make sure you're ready for this. You can't have Nightmare. I'm like, Dad, I'm fine. We you know, kind of thing. Cronenberg's The Fly, things like, I mean, none of that stuff, you know, even to my brother and I, because we understood it was, you know, it was, it's fake. It's, it's a movie, you know, and violence and stuff was part of the re- part of the real world. And it's horrible to think that. But, you know, w- you know, some people like to be naive of what actually happens. And some people understand that, you know, we we think about, you know, let's say troops going off to war and that stuff's happening over there. Well, you know, things happen in the real world that are not pleasant things happen that happen and situations where things have to get done. And it's hard kind of sometimes when I think, when you think about those kind of, you know, situations. And I think that's what, I mean, as a kid, I mean, I saw all the dirty Harry movies. They were obviously out in the in the seventies where I saw them on tape and then like the death, death wish movies and things like that, of that ilk. So when I was, you know, getting to be the age when I'm like, you know, I have, now my allowance money or my birthday money or whatever money I might have to spend on a comic book. I think I'm, I was looking for that. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's why, I mean, again, the, the EC comics were, I mean, tales from the crypt and all that stuff. That's right up my alley. But I think I was looking for that kind of stuff in comics because you just didn't get that all the time from different things. And I think that's also why, I mean, not very honest. I was drawn to the dark horse comics, the thing, the follow-up that picks up right at the end of Carpenter's, the thing, which is a crazy miniseries if you've never read it. All the Predators, the Aliens, the Terminators, that stuff that tied in, those those movies that we saw. Because let's be honest, there were no comic books out there doing the stuff of Ray Harryhausen. This, I mean, Ray Harryhausen, one of the most influential people 
in my entire life and my dad's life and stuff like that, those weren't available. So the other kind of stuff I was into was the, you know, horror and action and that stuff. So you kind of like, you look for what you like, yeah. you know? And I think I, I, because this comes up also too, when we talk about current comic book movies, right. You know, the stuff that Marvel puts out in DC and then people kind of look back at, let's say, and I'll just just use an example, the crow. And I love the crow. I mean, I, I mean, sorry, but I'm saying, you know, but the comic book for the crow was really good too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like I can like oh and I think that's part of what happens is people are kind of like, well, but that's that's not really a comic book. It's not really a comic book movie. It one hundred percent is a comic book movie. Yeah. It one hundred percent is because it doesn't fit in the cookie cutter shape of a guy with his underwear on the outside of his pants, it doesn't mean that it's not a comic book movie. And or a comic book you know what I'm saying? Even though it's not it has nothing to do with superheroes. I mean to me, things like ghost world are comic book movies you know like i mean sure you know i mean i i have my strict definition of of what i consider a comic book movie and maybe what doesn't adhere to the definition of of a comic book movie like everybody else but i mean i i completely get what you're saying what you're putting down and everything and 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 even if if things like the dark horse comics or punisher you know are not say traditional you know, long underwear superhero fair. I mean, they're they're still comic books, and they're still yeah. you know, like if if they make films or TV shows or what have you, you know, and and you're entertained by them. I mean, to me, it's it's legitimate. Like, I I don't, you know, it kind of goes back to that question you asked. Like, does if you know, just because the Punisher's not, I don't know, you know, shooting Thanos or you know beating up sentinels or whatever like is it not a comic book film and it's like of course it's a comic book film i mean you know obviously like they they try to put in aspects of different series and and you know to to me like one of the the things that i loved about the garth ennis run was the character called barracuda i don't know if you're familiar with the character or not but he was basically a long, not a long time, but I mean, he he made Punisher this arch nemesis for a modern comic book reader, and he was this big badass, tougher than nails black guy, and his name was Barracuda, and like they gave him his own mini series. It's funny as shit. Like and 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 the fights he has, like he has repeated fights. I mean, it was almost like the fights he had with the Russian, where they were just balls to the wall brutal as hell like fights and and those were like some of the the best things that i've read you know where the the threat was real the stakes were high and you felt like hey you know even though punisher had been built up like you're saying it wasn't the punisher of the issue number seven that we were talking about tonight where you know random guys could get the drop on him you know he he was an established you know, badass, and he knew what was what, but these were characters where they, they, they sort of made these, you know, not, not exactly super villains. It's not like, again, Barracuda does not have Mm -hmm. laser beams coming out of his eyes, but he was a legitimate threat where you're like, I don't know if Frank can, can take this guy out or not. You know what I mean? And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, stuff like that is always going to be entertaining. And if, if they ever made, you know, if, if Barracuda shows up on the Netflix TV series and they have a, you know, balls out, drag out fight, I'm going to be one of those guys going, yeah, fucking a, this is a comic book, you know, 
TV show, yeah. movie, whatever. And this is this is dead on, like you know, something I think is great that that they should, you know, put on film. You know, so yeah, definitely. Like yeah, like I said, I just you know, it's just different, you know, kind of thing. And I think what happens is we all bring our experiences to you know i mean they're 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 with you what you know what you've experienced and how you grew up and what's part of your life and what's not part of your life etc that stuff you know comes with you when you when you approach any medium it doesn't have to be necessarily film or comics or you know books or whatever and you when you when you come into a situation there's been plenty of times when i've had someone say to me doesn't matter what it is like oh how could you like that and i'm like oh well and you start explaining it and you have like you know, a, an idea and an opinion that makes sense. And even though they might not agree with me, like, oh, okay, I see that. I understand where you're coming from. And I just feel sometimes, and again, not trying to, you know, start any issues ever, but sometimes I feel people some, when kind of dismiss, and it could be a character or, a, you know, a set or whatever, because it doesn't fit into the world they want it to be. They want their their superheroes to all be, you know, big brawny men with muscles and, you know, tight pants. Well, I'm sorry, but not all superheroes are that, you know, or they want them all, you know, they're, you know, they want everyone to look like, was it Power Girl, right? She's the one with the giant cutout where her boobs are all hanging out of her top, she, she right? Is. Yes, right. Okay. I'm, again, this shows you how many comic books I've read. I kind of only know her because she was part of the J, either the JLA or JSA in the run before the current stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, not every woman in a comic book needs to look like that. Right. Not every, you know, and and the same way, not every woman's, a, you know, not every, you know, it's a damsel in distress. Sometimes they're the ones doing those things to get done. And not every guy is going to be, you know, super powered. And it's just, I think what we see with the Punisher as as his evolution as you if you look because we've now covered starting like with issue seven to the annual i mean they're not that far apart and then you're getting up into even the war journal here you're seeing the evolution of a punisher becoming the you know they kind of were you know they had the idea and you got to refine it it's like doing a sculpture and again when you're, when you're sculpting you know you kind of start with the rough shapes or, you know, you kind of start, you know, def defining them out. You kind of keep working on that, you know, working on it. You, you don't immediately start and be like, okay, bam, and I start sculpting, and all of a sudden I have a perfect face and a perfect ear and a perfect nose. Like, things have got to be roughed out and worked together. Or if you were, you know, again, to use the idea like I do, because I do paint, especially my one-to-one -one size stuff, and that's probably the best way to see it. When I'm doing a one-to-one -one full-size head, was let's say the Bride of, the Bride of Frankenstein, when I, if you saw the process that goes into it, and if I when I show my step by steps, people will say it doesn't look like her, or why is this all one color? I'm like, oh man, you know, like I've been working on it for an hour. We're only at the point where I've got the base color in because you have to work and you know. Oh, I I swear to God, if I had a nickel for every time someone said, "Hey Jay, do you know?" and then fill in whatever character is this color, I'm like really, I know, like it's hard because you know people you have to kind of you take the time to build what's there. And I think we've seen here tonight, I think if we were to, you know, let's say, because you just said pick an issue and I picked the, this, this is one of the, I remember it's my first issue I ever bought, but I could have picked something much later. I think we would have seen a much different Punisher, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of thing. I think we see that too, though, even with, you know, obviously his fight with the Russian, all the stuff with Jigsaw yeah. through the years. When you look at that, the Punisher being human, it lends itself that you don't have to like, 
you know, you can tell different stories with the Punisher, you know, but as long as you stay true to the core of him, uh, who, who he is as a character, you know, defined with, I think people are going to accept it. I'm trying to remember, what was it called? There was a four issue miniseries. It was the, it was not the Nam. It was, it was the Punisher one where he's in Vietnam again. Oh, born, born. That's born. Great. Is that yeah. what that is? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people who hate that. Really? I think it's. I, yeah. I, I would put that on a top ten list of like my favorite yeah. Punisher stories. I think that's a great story. I I even I mean to tie it into some of John's kind of you know expertise. Like there's there's a Marvel Legends figure of the what I call the born Punisher because he's he's the <laughs> one in the like the camo and and mm. he's got his face painted like a skull and everything and like that's. I think that's a terrific miniseries, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I, I really liked yeah. it. What I'm saying is, but there's people, I mean, I've had people say, uh, I hated it. And I'm like, you hated it? And you're like, why? Uh, I don't know. And I'm like, well, did you read a lot of Punisher stuff? Not really. Like, okay, so you don't even understand the character or, you know, I mean, maybe you have a little understanding of it, but to some, again, there's, there's always that, that mindset of like, well, I think the Punisher is this. And if anything outside of that box is bad or evil or wrong. Mm. And it's like, and you read something like that, you're like, wow, what a different take maybe this is. Or because the Punisher in, in like, when you do start getting into the Max comics and stuff, like all that stuff, yeah. that's, I mean, anything Ennis wrote is far different than this stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure, sure. <laughs> this is not even close to the same guy. I mean, he is in some aspects, but in other aspects, not even close. And, I, I think also too, it's it's also you can't write comics the same way you wrote them in 1988. You can't write them the same way now. You couldn't write them the same way in the 90s. You had to you had to keep up with what was going on by the by you know the way characters were evolved and the way things worked. But by the same token, though, it's like I don't know if you guys ever went back and read, let's say, like go back and read like the original J, JLA Justice League of America, oh, yeah, like yeah. way way back in the day, yeah. You read that stuff, you're like, oh, man, he's going to blow up the clock tower. It's like, oh, boy, dude, why don't you go punch him in the face, Green Lantern? No, walk around with your cape on, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, okay, like, yes, but in 19 whatever the heck year it was, that was real stuff to them, you know, kind of yeah. thing. And it's it's just that evolution of different things. And I think also, too, and and this that we, we you know, we say this a lot of times, like that's when my brother and I were talking about different things. When you're willing to kind of get invested in what's there, you know, you can you make an investment in the character or investment in the story as something that you truly care about. You either I think you get maybe a deeper level of enjoyment out of it. Perfect example would be being a wrestling fan. In case anyone has never figured that out, I love wrestling. So did my brother. Right. We love wrestling. We've watched wrestling our whole entire lives. And there's people like, oh, wrestling, man, that sucks. And I'm like, yeah, it does suck when they don't do this, this, and this, because I'm really invested. I want this to be successful because I love what the product is, and I don't love this part of it. And I think as a fan of a character, you can look and say, man, the Punisher, this is how I picture him. And man, this was a little different, and I liked the parts of it, but maybe it's not all for me, or maybe it's whatever, but it's not just dismissive. And I, and I, right. you know, to me, sure. that's one of the things with him, uh, you know, I look at it this way. And again, when Jeff Johns was writing Booster Gold and Booster Gold became, and it was, I don't know if you guys read that, that run of Booster yeah. Gold yeah, when Jeff it. Johns was writing it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it was like, Booster Gold, you'll be the greatest hero of all time, but no one will ever know it. And I'm like, oh my God, that's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because he is, he went and he, you know, he's the greatest hero of all time, but you never heard of him. And I'm like, 
what a cool idea. And people were like, oh, that's stupid. I'm like, okay, but to me, that was really cool. And I can enjoy that and take some out of it. And again, you know, I think Punisher sometimes falls in that category. And it's a shame because I think some people write him off as just a guy with a gun. And they think he's just some, you know, stereotypical, you know, 1980s, like, you know, he's, he's so backwards and he's stuck in the past and stuff. And what I, I just, I don't, I don't understand. I think that's just maybe not to say ignorance, uh, but it's ignorance of, you know, what's really happening. And the Punisher has grown and changed and he's become, you know, what he is. And he's a man with flaws. I think we can, you know, I think we agree that he's definitely got his flaws, you know, somewhere in there is, you know, his humanity is always there. He's always, he's willing to do anything he has to do in the situation, what the situation calls for, you know, he's standing, he's doing, he's protecting the innocent. He's doing all those great things that you want to see in people. It's just not every one of us, you know, is like, well, okay. I guess I'll just hit him with a grenade, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> like, right. don't really have a grenade to hit him, you know what I'm saying? So, sorry. I know I get, I get, I get tangent. I start tangenting no, off. No, no, just, no, no, no. It's, it's yeah. great. I mean, it makes yeah. me, it makes me think of stuff because I'm, I'm thinking, you know, to me, there's the, the successful wrestling in terms of the Punisher for me, mm-hmm. like some of the stuff we've talked about, like there's, you know, Confederacy of Dunces that Garth Ennis wrote. Like, I adore that. I adore him you know, shooting Wolverine in the nads, you know, like all these kind of great things in, in, in the Ennis run. And then, you know, there's there's other runs like where they had Tom Lyle draw the book for a long time and Punisher had a ponytail. And like, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the hell out of that. I enjoyed, you know, John Romita Jr. doing the Warzone where it that was almost a totally to me, new take on the Punisher. Like, he gave him a very distinct and distinguished face, whereas, you know, in the previous incarnations, you know, maybe it wasn't as as distinct. And some people, they may have gone, oh, that's not my Punisher, I hate it. But it's like, to me, like, that was something that, you know, I, I enjoyed reading and I wasn't, I wasn't turned off just because it was a different interpretation. Now, having said all that, you know, maybe the lower points of non-successful wrestling for me and Punisher would be, you know, the the Marvel Knights thing, like after he had died uh-huh. and then he ran around as like an angel and he had the little Omega thing on his head. He was all doing that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, please stop. And, you know, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but but that's why that's why you love the Garth Ennis beginning because because he totally ignores all that. It's like what angel stuff? No, that never happened. All right, moving on. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, okay, thank God. You know, like so. Yeah. When when we were watching Daredevil season two, Tracy really liked how broken he was you know, the Punisher was in it and, and she appreciated that aspect, but I was kind of watching it going, but that's, that's not him, you know, and not that I didn't like it. It's just, it wasn't what I wanted to see, kind of what you're saying, you know, but I can definitely find stuff to like, like the prison fight or whatever, but you know, she kind of liked that broken aspect of creation of him. And I'm more, you know, Hey, he came back and, you know, he's just pissed off and ready to take on the world. But you know, I think both takes work. It's just, it's, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, like you were saying, p- different people grab it onto aspects of the character, but both kind of like it. And, and I think there's, you know, obviously plenty out there for people to dabble and taste. And, you know, we all like pizza. Just some of us like it with pepperoni and some like it with sausage. So 
And then sometimes you got to come to New York and get a real Sicilian pizza, you know, kind of with the nice bottom. And if you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, nice thick Sicilian. I'm with no? you. Okay. I'm with you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So let me ask a quick, you guys a quick question. Cause again, obviously we all, you know, we, 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 we care for Frank, obviously the, to me later, it was much later down the road again, cause I was kind of out of comics and then, you know, when I was in college doing, I was, you know, a division one athlete. And so I was kind of busy doing all that stuff and then whatever. And then later on, I eventually discovered, again, I knew who Frank Miller was and I understood that stuff, but then I got into, you know, Sin City stuff. And I, I read that yellow bastard first, which blew me away. Do you, you guys think, and again, and this is, this is kind of, again, obviously you've, we've read, you've all read Sin City here kind of stuff. Yes. We are all I, on I the have, same boat here. I, I have all read, well, I've read Sin City. I yes. can't speak for Jeff. I've read some of it. I haven't read it all, but I've read Okay, right, right, right. So you know what I'm talking about, though, the type of storytelling, mm -hmm. the gritty. When I look back at older Punisher stuff, the stuff we were talking about here, the stuff that Mark Teixeira was, was drawing, it kind of gives me that feeling of that Sin City look sometimes. Again, I know the Sin City's in black and white and this is in color. But one of the things you were mentioning was like in War Journal, this one, where he's inking his own drawings. Mm. And you said it kind of had that sketchy feel or whatever. It makes me feel kind of like when I'm looking at like Sin City stuff, like the Dame to Kill for or whatever, how that's like those because they're not drawn super hyper detailed guys. Right, right. They're much sketchier. Oh, it kind of reminds me of like Mignola stuff on Hellboy and yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, like all the heads and everything. Yeah. To me, that kind of comic book style, and again, I know, I know some people look in there and go, oh, I can't stand that comic book style. And again, art is, you know, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder kind of thing. I think if Punisher had been drawn back in the, the day, super polished, all perfect and whatever, it might have lost a little bit of that appeal. I might be wrong, but I think that kind of rough, sketchy, kind of like a little dirty look to it kind of gave it some more that maybe the other comics that were more polished didn't have. And again, I'm not, again, the comic books back in the day were very different than they are now. There's no digital yet, whatever but I'm saying to me, I always thought that kind of rough feel gave the Punisher a little more, not say realism, but like kind of grittiness that maybe it wouldn't have had if it was really super polished and super bright and, you know, the colors are more muted and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Or I, I can, yeah. I can see that. It's interesting because because what you're talking about, like, I, I see how it applies to Mark Texera, but then I think about other things like how Jim Lee's the guy who got his start doing Punisher War Journal. You know what I mean? And and to me, mm -hmm. Jim Lee's the antithesis of Gritty, even though he's yes. you know, a prototypical yeah. 90s artist, you know, like, and then, and then you know, the, the, the Punisher ongoing title it had got, I, I mean, I would say, like, some of the Wills Protasio stuff seemed gritty, but it also is very detailed and, and, and kind of, you know, a little more superheroic in a sense. And then, of course, you've got, like, Eric Larson worked on The Punisher, which I always thought was hilarious, <laughs> but, like, I mean, it's, like, one of those things you could tell he didn't like drawing it. You know, like you could right. tell, like he he wanted to do superhero stuff, but he was stuck doing this this guy who had guns, and you know, just he just wasn't into it. You know, and like you could sort of feel that on the page that that he was just cutting a paycheck. Whereas I I I don't you know I I mean with certain artists I don't get that sense. You know, Steve Dillon 
you know, worked with, with Garth Ennis on a lot of the Punisher stuff. And, and I don't get that sense, you know, from his work and, and, you know, like the, the Mark Dextera stuff. And I'm, I'm trying to think of like other, other guys that, you know, the Bourne miniseries, I think what was that Derek Robertson, I think I'm trying to remember, but like there, there are certain artists where, you know, it might not necessarily be scratchy or rough all the time but but their tone you know matches what you would expect for for a, a story of the punisher's caliber you, you know what what i noticed and appreciated is that when you look in the backgrounds of these it, it seems like when you read a regular marvel superhero book you know you got to show the baxter building or there's a daily planet billboard or you know, every street names like some kind of artist name or something. You don't see all those little things in here. You know, the backgrounds are drawn just like they would be. It's not like they're trying to make every every little detail and every panel count for something. And where they don't need them, they don't, you know, it's just not detailed to put in. And I, I, I appreciate that fact because, you know, that really makes it feel, you know, grounds it in that real world to me. Yeah. I, you know. Just different things to think about, because, again, this is, you know, we, we've looked at a couple issues here. And again, hopefully anyone who's listening, you know, go, man, I'm, I'm going to read these issues and start getting into it. Because the more again, to me, the more people who are willing to give things a chance and try things out. I mean, I'm not uh, again, I'm always the best person for people like, Did you ever read that comic? I'm like, no, I didn't. But if we can get some people, maybe get some eyes on some older Punisher stuff and start seeing what we're talking about. And they were like, oh, and maybe give them a chance. Because again, you know, I mean, comics today, we just were saying before, are totally different than they were back then. And sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's not. A, I, I like comics that were, you know, that, that, you know, had something to go on and told you a story. And, you know, you felt like your dollar seventy five wasn't, you know, poorly spent. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how much how much are comics even nowadays. I don't even you, usually it's like how much they even are. It's usually like four I bucks tell you. Or they, five bucks. I mean, I look at it this way: is I read like Salvation Run as I had all the issues of Salvation. That was that the one with the the Flash, right? With the 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 Rogue Gallery and stuff. Uh, we had all the issues for whatever, and I was like, man, I was, that was really good. But it was nice reading all together. Like people are like, oh yeah, but it's not like that anymore. And I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> you now a good story is a good story. I'm, I'm, well, I'm okay with a good story. You gotta cross the ocean, go fight. You see, all times thinking you're gonna be scared, right? But then you're not. See, that part was always easy for me. Killing. Even watching my buddies die, it just that didn't mean nothing. First time I got scared, was on a plane on the way home. Kept thinking God was gonna pull the rug out from under us, you know. Shit, that's just kind of funny. You know? But the plane landed safe and we were home, driving through traffic. Yeah, you, know, you pass fast food, and donut shops, and all that. That greasy shit's the shit you fought to protect, and then the car stops. We were outside of school. I get to her classroom, right? She's in there. She's got no idea. She's got no idea that daddy's home. 
kidding. These kids, they're not even studying. They're <laughs> doing some kind of yoga. <laughs> you know, she's there. She's doing the poses. Bend in. And, you know, she's moving. She looks like a flower. Yeah. You know, you can't even understand it. You know, how does, how does something like that? How does, how does something that beautiful? How, how does that? Does that come from me? You know. God, that's real. That's real, Red. Well, in an instant, she's across that classroom floor. She's in my arms. She's, she's squeezing me so tight, I swear I was gonna bust a rib, you know? We just stay there like that. We're holding each other. Teacher, she's filming the whole thing on her phone, you know? She's gonna put it on YouTube and some shit. She can't hold the thing steady because, you know, she's falling so hard and kids are all wailing you know they're screaming to me shit I'm the worst of all I'm a I'm a rubber faced clown you know crying so hard not my baby not my girl no she's my girl she's not crying she's holding me up my girl she's keeping me on my feet You know, we go home, wife, the boy, the place is the exact same. It's like it's just holding his breath, waiting for me to get back, you know? And that hit me. All of it. Yeah. For the first time I felt how tired I was, you know, I was just tired, you know? Tired, Red. Yeah. So you know. It's just I couldn't do nothing, you know. All the things. Couldn't take my wife to bed. Ball with the boy, shit. I was too tired. I couldn't even drink a goddamn beer. But not her. My girl was up. See, she wanted me to... She wanted me to tuck her in, see? She outgrew it. She knew it. She didn't care. She wanted it. She had that book. My favorite book was out on her pillows. One batch, two batch. Pity and dime, yeah? I read her that book every night before the shit. I read it every single night. But see, that was over now because Daddy's home now. She looked at me and she begged me to read. She begged. She begged. I said no. Daddy's too tired, see? I'll, I'll read to you tomorrow night.
Richie tomorrow night, I promise. Yeah. You think that further is not gonna be any tomorrow, see? Last time I see her, I'd be holding her lifeless body in my arms. The meat was spilling out of her red. The place where her face used to be. Yeah. I think I'm done. I, I think they were pretty good on, on the, the episode as far as the Punisher goes. Do you guys want to have a chance to let people who are listening to the show and maybe are, are hearing your guys's voices for the first time just sort of give them the download the rundown on maybe where they can find you guys on the interwebs you can find me over at tvmfilmtoys.com you can find me on twitter at engineer nerd i do action figure reviews that kind of thing and probably when this is up there'll be some punisher reviews up that are fairly recent maybe you can also find me over at actionfigureblues.com on the there were a weekly podcast looking at toys, but everybody else is Australian, so <laughs> I'm I'm the I'm the American on there. Well, that, yeah, you you should be thankful because when the DC invasion happens, Australia is the first to get hit. And then I was commenting when we do our mobile suit Mondays, it's like the first colony that gets dropped gets dropped on Australia. So I was like, I was like, oh no, everybody, but it's like only John is okay. <laughs> And we're okay with that. So how about you, Jay? Let everybody know, you know, maybe where they can find you, like what kind of podcasts they can hear you on, because I, I listen to all of them, and I, I think they're a lot of fun. If you are not tired of hearing me ramble on, and you'd like to hear some of the podcasts that I do, on the Two True Freaks Network, I'm one of the co-hosts of the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror with my brother Luke and Chris Honeywell and Chris Tyler. We look at horror movies and we, we run the gamut of being off topic at times, but we are definitely, definitely exploring stuff. We have been looking lately. It's been the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Yay. And we've been talking, the, the, most, the most requested thing we get is Nightmare on Elm Street. And if you'd like to hear my, myself and my dad talk about giant monsters and robots and all that stuff, Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-movie podcast, also on the Two True Freaks radio network, go to twotruefreaks.com. I'm on Twitter at Jason Giaconetti. It's usually just me promoting stuff we're doing. If you'd like to see the artwork I do on Facebook, it's the Art of Horror Collective. That's my page. And to paint monsters and to do that stuff. And again, if you're into that kind of stuff, that's what, we, that's what I love doing. It's all, it's all out there. All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And for all our regular listeners, of course, this is the Fan Holes Podcast. Comics, motherfucker, do you read them? And if you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, you can email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Or, of course, we can be streamed on Stitcher Radio. We're on iTunes and all kinds of social media like Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter. So we appreciate all the likes and feedback and everything. And that's going to do it for tonight. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. Good night, guys.
I, I didn't want to date this, but about an hour before we started, I got a shipping notice for my uh, Punisher 112 oh, collective 112 figure. Collectible. That's awesome. Yeah. That's cool. 